Hello, and welcome to For the Love of Todd, reviewing the Christy Miller young adult novels for your listening pleasure. Sit back, relax, and journey with us as we talk about Summer Promise, 1988. I promise you won't regret spending time with us. Previously on For the Love of Todd, the shadow of death looms large over Christy and her friends' young lives. Todd finally breaks his silence and speaks at Sean's funeral, and is a real big douche about it. (laughs) We now join Christy as she contemplates big questions about life, love, and faith. Welcome back to part three of Summer Promise for in our For the Love of Todd series. This time, we're going to finish the book. I can feel it. <laughs> I wanted to it. make a joke about like Zeno's paradoxes of motion and how you can just constantly approach an ending but never really get there. Yeah, we could do that, but we've got 12 books to get through. So, <laughs> so... I made Stephen a summer promise that we would finish it, finish talking about the book this episode. (laughs) Be like, get it over with. (laughs) Only three chapters left. There's a lot, but also not that much. We're getting kind of, we're getting to the end of the, of her moral dilemmas. So, right. And then it kind of is just downhill from there. And the beginning of Todd just replacing all thought content in her life. Yay! (laughs) Um, For the listeners, unfortunately, Karis couldn't make it. So it's just us three. But she'll be back for the next. She'll be back for the next book. Yeah. Okay. Chapter. Chapter 11. Uh. Summer Promise, Chapter 11, Everything a Girl Could Ever Want. So we left off. This chapter starts at Christy is going to visit her friend Alyssa. She got a phone call and Alyssa asked if she could come over. Um, and we go, Christy goes in and she we find that Alyssa is like packing all her stuff and getting ready to leave. She's going back to her grandmother's in Boston. This is this is the point of the novel. I, I put in my notes that uh, the, as the story goes on, the author is in a hurry to finish and the writing quality has kind of degraded and changed. Like we no longer have these occasional descriptions of like the scenery and the environment and what California is like. Instead, this chapter is like two pages. Is it um, only two, pa- two no, pages I, of? It's very short. It's two, three, four, five. It's like five, six pages something like that oh okay i i guess my my e my epub is densely packed it's six pages but yeah it's still a very short chapter in comparison okay six pages of us finding out that Alyssa's life is a train wreck Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. even though christy thought she had it all together and then bob being really creepy about it yeah (laughs) yeah 
it's like just a it's like just narrative thermodynamics like it's required by law the pretty girl that the protagonist is jealous of has to be secretly miserable yeah um also because this author just really loves to punish women for being alive yes and not christian right christy is asking her why she's leaving why can't she stay with the rest of her family and Alyssa is like that that's just me uh, that's just me left me and my grandma um but at, but then when christy's asking her about it she says that she it says she feared that Alyssa might go into one of her rages which i thought was a really interesting what? way to describe Alyssa. like she got really triggered when they were talking about sean's death correct like that is not oh. a that's a totally right. That's fine response. That's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and this, it really upset Christy, that... but then this idea that she was triggered by someone dying. Um, and now she's just someone who has rages. I thought was and she's known her for four days now. Yeah. Yeah. One of her yeah. characteristic rages. Yeah. Yeah. Incontrollable. Um, so we find out her dad died three months ago of lung cancer and her mom and her came here for the summer, but her mom started drinking again when they got there because and she's an alcoholic and we see that Alyssa has a bruise on her face and that is because her mom was drinking and went, I guess, went into a rage because <laughs> it runs in the family. Yeah. One of her characteristic rages. Yeah. Yeah. And hit her. Um, so she called the police and they took her mother to rehab. So now she's all alone and she's packing up to go to her grandma's house. And she phoned Christy to come and help her. Um, so basically she gets Christy to like do all her packing while she goes and makes some phone calls. <laughs> like, yeah. I had a okay. friend who uh, would uh, pack like last minute before he had to, you know, go fly, fly to Europe or something. And he would call us all over and I would be the motherly one, like doing all of his packing for him. And I don't know why I did it. Cause it was just like, I mean, it was a social thing. We're all hanging out together, but it was just like, he didn't know how to just get it done. So I would be like, okay, we got this, 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 we'll pack this. There you go. Oh my goodness. If he didn't have you as a grown as a grown man and yeah. Wow. He was using you also though. Oh probably. (laughs) Oh yes. I mean for sure. I mean it's like I I was aware of the fact that Yes. You know, that was happening, but I just kind of didn't care, I guess, at the time. (laughs) Mm. So yeah. Um yeah, I've never packed for anyone else. Other than like my kids and like maybe right. my husband. Yeah. It's a lot of work to pack. It would feel people. weird. It feels weird. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, it, it is weird. You have to be a certain kind. You have to be able to exercise a certain amount of judgment to just, I think it's something that I really respect. I wouldn't be able to do it. I would be like, I, I can't make these decisions about your stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Although in this case, it literally is just pack everything. Pack, right. Right. Moving yeah. back. This is where Christy finds her round, a round plastic compact in her cosmetics drawer. 
with a circle of little white pills curved around the inside with a number underneath each one. So she finds her birth control. Yeah, she finds her birth control pills. And Alyssa's like, oh, where did you find these? I've been looking for these for weeks. Weeks Mm. or for like a long time. Yeah. Um, Which is definitely foreshadowing. It's not even that. No, no, no. Um, that that would be giving too much credit to uh, doing birth control wrong. No, she's been looking for them for days. Days, oh, yeah. Because of course, so. if you make a single slightest mistake, you know the only defense against pregnancy is abstinence, as the author is showing. You, you forget the pill for one day, baby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I guess it's only been days, like. No, how many days has it been? Because they like there was enough time. Sean died. He had a funeral, and then Christy and her aunt and uncle went on a vacation for a few days. Right. It's got to be like, like at least a like week. A it was but like either weekend. way, she would have. Okay. She could have still. You know, you would still keep taking them whether she was having sex with someone or not, though, right? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, as as far as I mean, as far you as know, how you're the author doesn't go into details, things. probably because she can't. Yeah, um. right. <laughs> yeah. Um and so she found she found her birth control pills. Um and then they start packing oh they start talking about Eric how Eric is going to drive her. She packed a bag for her mom that she's going to drop at the the rehab facility or hospital and Eric is going to drive her to the airport and Christy's like you're so lucky to have him. He must really love you. <laughs> It's going to be awful leaving him, isn't it? That's such uh, a middle just... schooly thing to say, like, because it's literally been how you know the shortest time, days or weeks since Sean, and then she's moved on to this brand new guy. He must really love you, like Christy has such a like shallow, fast, yeah. shallow uh, understanding of what real love is. Like that is not love. That's clearly infatuation slash horniness you know like there's no (laughs) there's no love going on yeah yeah and and it's funny because the author knows that and is like telling us that here effectively yes but the author doesn't realize that like christy's relationship with todd so far is exactly the same just a little more chaste you know yes her, her her emotional relationship to this guy who is god's number one for her forever is the same Um, well Chris, because I mean, that's how teen dating just it kind of is, you know. For it is for Christy, but Alyssa <laughs> is like, oh, whatever, you know. Like she's like, not that, not that into Eric, right? It's almost like she yeah. kind of, but in Christy's mind, it's like, what? yeah. If you're with someone, you must be in love with them, right? Whereas Alyssa's yeah. like, he's hot. He has a car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Like the typical, or maybe not typical, but, you know, common teenage dating. Like when I was a teenager and just was dying to have a boyfriend, which never happened. um, Like all all I was thinking about was like, I just want a cute guy to hold hands with and love me. You know, it wasn't, there was no like future, like. No, you're not like I want to be with them for the rest of my life. Like I'm 13 years old and I want to marry someone. I was just thinking like I am desperate for a boyfriend because everyone has a boyfriend. Yeah. And you've got like all these hormones and emotions. And I mean, it's the time when you're supposed to be like learning how to have a relationship. Yeah. 
yeah, just just basic things like learning about just simple physical contact with the opposite sex, like yeah. hand holding and how mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be the end of the world. Um, which... How to break up with someone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if it goes, you know, when it ends, because it will. Right. Except right. if you're Christy. <laughs> Except if you're Christy, because breaking up with someone means that you're a harlot who makes loose, fast choices. <laughs> yeah. Except she does break up with him in the future, but they get Ooh. back together. So, or one of them breaks up with, I don't know who breaks up with who. I don't remember, I don't remember. how that worked. I can't wait till we get there. Yeah. Spicy. Um, so Eric arrives. He came early because he wants to have sex with Alyssa. And she's like trying to stop. He, she's trying to warn him that Christy's in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is like trying to make out with her, opens the door to the room and sees Christy there and gets really mad and leaves. But yeah, he's like, he refuses to he's, give her a ride so because indignant, she. so indignant. Just he is. entirely with his dick. He's like, what the fuck is this friend of yours doing here? Get yeah. out! Yeah. He was like, basically, I want to rape you before I go because she's already protesting and he's still just like forcing yes. her to the bedroom. Yeah. yeah. And then she. So he leaves. He's like really offended that she would have someone there <laughs> and that he couldn't have sex with her before he le- before she leaves. Um, and so he just storms out and she's like, I need you. Don't go now. And he's like, hey, I needed you, too, but you didn't give a rip about me. I'm sick of your excuses and your little crybaby games. Grow up. I guess he needed her to make him come. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was it. That was so Christy sees that what this true love is like. The, ve- the veil is pulled back and we see so much. We see everything about Alyssa's life and how crappy it is and how, because she's so pretty, boys only want to have sex with her and she can't have a meaningful relationship. Um, so Christy, do, do, do. Christy's like, you're going to be okay. You've got everything any girl could ever want. And Alyssa's like, well, then why am I so lonely all the time, Miss Know-It-All? And why am I so miserable that I tried to kill myself last December? It is just, like, piling on how... It is, it's all of a sudden, like, boom. Yeah. Like, every yeah. bad thing that could possibly be yeah. is now, like, coming apparent. And it's, like, the moral... It's the moralizing for young women, too. Like, don't be like Alyssa. Don't yeah. be a slut, because then you'll want to well, kill yourself. <laughs> And like, like Alyssa says straight to here, like, you don't realize how good you have it. Stay innocent, Christy. I know. This is not the problem here. No, it's, it's, it's not. not. It's not her pure, chaste innocence that is the problem. It's that Alyssa has had a bunch of hard shit in her life. Yeah. And Christy, one, hasn't. And two, possibly doesn't really have the wherewithal to have even noticed if it had. I mean. That's a good point. Yeah. 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 It is weird that she's like, stay innocent. Yeah. Like, prob- that's not yeah. the point right now. Like, the point, like, that will stop be about- your dad from dying of cancer <laughs> and your mom from being an alcoholic. Yeah. And men from being shitty and disgusting. 
Yeah, it's it's another one of those moments where, like, you know, I once again, I think I've said this before, like, the author's always in control of the characters, but sometimes the, there's the characters speaking as, like, people who might be in situations, and then sometimes the author just reaches in and does the, her sock puppet routine, yeah. and that's that, yeah. because, yeah. like, yeah, th- th- this is this is not about innocence. No, um, and yeah. this um, valuing of innocence is actually something that, like, really hurts people because that's mm-hmm. the continuous self-judging of like you take one step wrong off the course and this book is telling you like well you're a failure you're impure you're sullied mm-hmm. and obviously a giant train wreck of horrible things is going to drop on you because that's what you get you slut yeah <laughs> when, and then uh, yeah and she does that the author does that puppet puppeting again later with bob about the exact same thing oh god yeah I also um, think I found Bob, it interesting. Bob, who just oh. a few chapters previous, is saying like, you know, Christy, go out, experience life, do yeah. what you want, do what feels good to you, and just know how to hold back. And now, yeah, but don't be a slut. <laughs> don't what be. Were a you... Yeah. What were you saying, Lindsay? Oh, I was also gonna say. Uh, let me see here. Was oh, so. Um... Well, one thing I also found interesting was that they she specified that her Alyssa's dad died of lung cancer, meaning he was likely a smoker, which right. was just another moral thing on yeah. top. Like, oh, he was a bad, bad smoker. And uh, also, I Alyssa remember doesn't become valuable until like until she becomes a Christian. So at that point, and- it's like she is worthy. And no, until they find out that she is carrying Sean's baby. Oh, okay. Spoilers. I know, <laughs> right? Do you? Because then, do you remember Todd is like so excited? Oh, right. Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. in the next book or the book after, but yeah, it's in the next yeah. book. And then she becomes valuable, mm-hmm. and yeah, then also worth more pursuing life. because, mm-hmm. yeah, because she's this. You know, she's a vessel now for another yeah. soul. So. I have so much to say about the whole like preg- like everything that happens with Alyssa, the pregnancy, what she does like with the baby and so on, but that's in the next book, so but Yeah. And actually the after where the author's setting up her plan, right? Because yes. um, we have the forgotten birth control. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 This is the foreshadowing. Yeah. Um yeah, and we don't we don't find out that much about Alyssa for a couple books, I don't think. Like we find out she's pregnant and then that's kinda it for her. Yeah, I think I don't in know. the second book she writes to Christy, because um, Uncle Bob brings letters that she's written, like to right. her new home. So yeah. they write back yeah. and forth a little bit. Um but yeah, then I I don't think it's even in book yeah, three that that uh we find she has the what baby. Happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um So they phone Uncle Bob and get him to drive them to the airport. He st- he takes her to the hospital to drop off her bag for her mom. And while she's, after they drop her off, um, Christy's talking to Bob about how her frustrations with men. She says, men are weird. I can't believe the way Eric treated Alyssa and the way he walked out of her life as though he didn't care anything about her. She has identified a, an actual serious problem. Yeah. Men are terrible. <laughs> no, 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 no. Weird. She weird. says weird. Yeah. 
Um, it's not a systematic problem. It's just strange. Right. Right. My bad. She's on, she's like on the edge of identifying a real thing here. Mm -hmm. And Bob says, I imagine Alyssa has lots, has had lots of boyfriends like Eric. She seems like a girl who has been around. That's not the best way to be. Which again is so ironic given how he was saying earlier about just do what you want. Yeah, yeah. And and then Christy turns around and, and reciprocates that. She's like, I'm beginning to see that. When I met, first met her, I thought she was perfect. I wanted to just be like her in every way. Couldn't believe it this morning when she said she was so miserable. Yeah. Uh, and uh, like the author displacing Alyssa's boyfriend that she's just kind of reaching out for as like, you know, someone who's obviously in a lot of emotional turmoil. Well, he's a piece of shit. That's her fault. And also yeah. like... This is a really hard situation for anyone to be in, let alone like, you know, a, a vulnerable teenager. She's her her she's lost her dad. Her mother's hospitalized after having uh, assaulted her. And like addictions are really hard thing to deal with with people close to you that you're dependent on and they have no words of sympathy for that. They're just judging yeah. her over her boyfriend being bad. Yeah. Uh, it's it's disgusting. Yeah, they have no, <laughs> she has no right, the author has no right to, like, have no sympathy like that because mm-hmm. she's talking about a child and she's not an adult. She's 16, 17 years old. All, that yeah. is a crap ton of stuff to have on a teenage child. Like, you cannot expect her to be, like, what What do you expect? Like, I had, when my when I was 16 years old, uh, my mom was in the hospital on and off, like for over the next few, over the you know few years, and that was like such a burden for a sixteen-year-old. And I was like, had these younger siblings, and I'm like, think trying to feeling like I have to take care of them too, even though they're we're all kind of old enough to just take care of ourselves in a way. But you know, not to have your mom there as like a, the solid person in your life is very. Mm-hmm it's very burdensome for a child. Yeah. yeah. And then also not to even, not to have a dad. Right. And yeah. your only support person is like so far away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like show a little compassion, just a little bit. Yeah. No, it's her no. fault for being a slut. <laughs> That's why her, her life fell apart. Cause she I mean, was a slut. It's, yeah. it's just like, well, the way uncle Bob is with Christy, how he's, you know, the author wants him to be like this, father figure like really cool kind of uncle um so he's all that way perfectly fine with christy but then just talks about Alyssa like she's nothing it's just like i feel like that's not consistent he would at least be nice to some degree and not be like oh yeah well that's just the way she is yeah well it's, well, it's, he... it's, like a, it's a classic patriarchal double bind Right? It's like, loosen up, go out and have fun. Mm-hmm. Also, if you loosen up and go out and have fun, we're going to judge you. Right. Yeah. Because you have to do it the correct way. But we're not going to yeah. tell you what that is. We'll tell you what it isn't. And guess what? Yeah. That's it. What it isn't is anything that you yeah. want to do. <laughs> but like also the this this statement from Bob, she seems like a girl who has been around, like it, it's just like so it just hits me as like so yucky and like pervy mm-hmm. yeah uh for, for the 50 year old man who's described by the narrator as so 
handsome and youthful for his age to be talking about a teenager <laughs> that way. Yeah. 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 yeah but like, she seems rough. like a girl who's been around. Like he, he knows what that's like. Like, how do you know? Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> and has, is like, has he even met her before or is this the first, maybe once? Cause I think Marty met her and was like, Oh, she's so great. Um, yeah. I think they were both, they probably both met her then. They, they are so met so briefly. I mean, is it, is she wearing like a song when, when Bob yeah. meets her? Like, why is it, how does he know she's been around? She probably appears up front as like a, just a nice, like a very beautiful girl, but just like, you know, a regular, nice, like decent teenager. She probably talks to him like, you know, politely and stuff. So how would she, how would he know that? Unless he was like propositioning her in the other room, then was like, I don't know. Gross. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Then they, they talk trash about Alyssa and then they go for supper. And then we're on to chapter 12. (laughs) Hopes and heartaches. Um, Oh, this is a big one. This is a big one. This is the, is this the birthday chapter? Yeah. 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 So this is the, the big, I guess, meat of. Yeah. This is the chapter that we've all been waiting for. They get back and Marty says that Todd came by while they were gone. And he, um, Marty, Marty and him had a chat and he's going to call her later. He tried to call her twice already. Um, so anyway, so this seems positive. Like he's showing some interest. He's like making a real effort to contact her, which is really the first time we've seen this from him. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but it's late. So she goes to bed and the next morning she goes to the beach so the next morning, Christy is kind of dawdling, getting ready, like trying to figure out what she should wear. And her aunt comes up and they're chatting away. And then suddenly her aunt's like, uh, you shouldn't keep him waiting. Christy's like, keep who waiting? We find out that Todd's been waiting downstairs for her for we don't know how long. And um, she, so she goes down. Oh, she goes down and Todd is like, she's like, hi, sorry. My aunt didn't tell tell me you were here. And he's like, it's all right. Do you want to go to Disneyland? (laughs) (laughs) So smooth. He's so smooth. Todd sure had a way with words. Is (laughs) how that's framed. Yeah. Um, So he asks her to go to Disneyland for her birthday, for their shared birthday, because it's her birthday birthday and it's his one year old in in his Christian faith birthday. Just to make Um, sure that it's still about him. Yeah, it's about both of them. Yeah. Um, And Christy's like, I mean, anyone can be born. Todd made a choice and that's more important. You're right. Um, and Christy's basically like, well, who else is coming? She doesn't trust him to mm-hmm. actually take her on a date because last time he asked her out, he was very secretive about the fact that there was going to be a whole bunch of people there. 
So he's like, no, it's just going to be us unless you want sense. someone else. Um, and then Chrissy's like, no, of course I don't. Um, and they have some breakfast with Bob and then go, they, they take Bob's tandem bicycle. Is it a tandem bicycle? Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Take his tandem bicycle, uh, over to Balboa Island. And this is, is this their first date officially? Yeah, I believe it is. Yeah. Yeah. So they... Take. No, it is officially not a date because they are not dating. <laughs> yes. It's their unofficial order. not date. Whatever. Right. But it's <laughs> like the first time since the night of the party, which it doesn't wasn't really a date because they went mm-hmm. to see Tracy. So it's just the two of them. They're on a tandem bicycle and it's very sweet and they go, they take the ferry to this little island and they get ice cream bars. And the whole time, Christy is just like, if only he would put his arm around me. And she's, she, they go for ice cream and he asks her what she wants and she like can't decide. And she has this whole like internal conflict. Why do I have such a hard time making simple decisions? Why do I always lose my confidence at key moments and act like a total idiot? Does Todd notice my insecurities? Does he like me? What about Tracy? Why is Tracy so much more self-confident and bubbly? Why can't I be more like her? Then a strange thought hit her. How can I be true to myself like Uncle Bob keeps saying when I really don't like who I am? Christy realized she kept wanting to be like somebody else. First Alyssa, now Tracy. And at home, she always she had always imitated Paula, her best friend at home cream bars because she didn't know what to order for ice cream so she just said that she would get whatever Todd was getting and he got something with nuts on it and she hates nuts mm-hmm. so she like picked them all off mm-hmm. but doesn't say no but doesn't say yeah. no yeah isn't like oh actually I don't like nuts just mm-hmm. no no she can't speak doesn't, up for doesn't herself doesn't have enough agency to even n- not only like make a choice but yeah just yeah. eat something that she hates because yeah, yeah. Um, yeah she's she's super in her head this entire chapter and incredibly anxious and as someone who's been on one of these uh not dates because we're not dating and we're not <laughs> establishing what the terms of our relationship is um yeah it, it really it's a really great way to get super anxious and all drawn up into your head having no idea what's going on what to expect what kind of boundaries there are um it it really does a number on you mm-hmm. and it's because you're in this like weird space where you're not allowed to talk about it either yep. yeah because yep. you yep. know because yep. oh, you don't want to bring it up like no i'm not gonna bring it up unless he brings it up I don't, you know like just yeah because so this is nice i don't want to like ruin whatever this is yeah because what if they don't think this is like a date or this mm-hmm. is romantic or yeah i don't yeah. know for whatever mm-hmm. reason the rules are you're not allowed to talk about it explicitly yeah. And, and the can... fact that she talks about... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. And just, like, how she talks about how she doesn't like herself and she's always trying to imitate someone else, like... And, you know, again, getting at the... You can't like yourself unless you, you know, ask Jesus into your heart and become a Christian. Then you can start to like who you are because of Jesus. And she's imitating all these people trying to be someone she's not 
because she needs to imitate Jesus. Yeah, yeah, she's not she's not even allowed to like herself because right. she spends the entire book not liking who she is. Mm -hmm. And then her like con her conversion is basically like, okay god, I hate myself, so turn my turn me into someone I can like, which isn't how it works. That's that's not how you get over self-loathing. Mm -hmm. You get you over self-loathing by stopping loathing yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know. You start accepting uh, and loving yourself. <laughs> Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you're not allowed to because you are loathsome and sinful. <laughs> so you're an evil sinner. Yeah. All the time. Even after you become a Christian, you're still evil and still full of sin. Yeah. You, you and you always have ever, to be you have to repent yeah. over and over. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. You always have to be policing yourself. Yep. Mm -hmm. Even I remember when I was like nine years old, I was in grade three and I went to a Christian school and I asked my teacher like, what if you die and you haven't asked for forgiveness yet for something you did wrong like that day? Do you go to heaven or hell? You know, like as a nine-year-old asking that question, like, you know, trying to figure out like, where will I spend eternity? Don't want to go mm -hmm. to hell if I haven't repented for whatever a nine-year-old would do wrong, like slapping their sibling or, you know, like whatever it is. Like, so. That's so stressful. I know. For, to be thinking about at nine. Yeah. What did your teacher say? Do you remember? Um, I think she said something like, well, it just depends on where your heart is. No! Or something. <laughs> like, she couldn't... She, I don't think she really knew how to answer the question either. And then I told my dad what she said. She said, and I don't... His response was like, don't... Don't believe everything your teacher says or something like that. I don't know. So I don't know what his process would have been either but yeah well and that's that's so pernicious to me because there is a if you're constantly grappling with this problem of like oh geez is life just a continuous gotcha and mm -hmm. like if i just suddenly have a stroke after doing something wrong and not you know mm -hmm. saying 10 hail marys mm -hmm. which is the characterization that evangelicals want to levy against the Catholic church, for example, of being like, Oh, it's this legalistic gotcha God. And you mm -hmm. just have to cross all the T's and dot all your I's to get your salvation. But, but they have the exact same attitude because they're not willing to like, there's a very easy theological gate out of this. And it's just like, God is love. God is compassionate and forgiving and God knows your heart. Don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. that's a yeah. really really yeah. easy way to dispense with like that particular uh theological tangle of anxieties but they will not do it because that is a concession of power yeah and that's yeah. way too easy and you know then they don't yeah exactly then they don't have control over you like mm -hmm. god can't just be the one that you follow you have to follow them exactly or you are just you know not not in the club and even at eight years old, eight, nine, nine, nine? I think, I, I, yeah, eight or nine. Yeah. Like, three. come on, mm -hmm. <laughs> give her something well, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like just, really just say you're not fun. allowed to even comfort children. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the twisted thing is I remember like uh, cool hip youth pastor sermons where they would talk about like jokingly about how ridiculous it would be that sometimes they would pe have people like, you know, 
con confessing and uh, you know want wanting to be saved who were already saved, doing the like, oh, I need to give myself to God again. I feel so mm -hmm. guilty. And they, they have positioned this as like a, a, a comedy, like ridiculing these women, all, always women, interestingly, mm. in these stories, it was always girls who were always feeling like they were too guilty and not clean enough. Mm. I wonder why. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and so they were, they were, they would have sermons about how that's ridiculous. And they were always blind to like the way in, in this particular moment, you're saying it doesn't work like that. But the message that you're sending the rest of the time, every mm. day, continuously is what's doing it to these people it like th these things don't just happen for no reason mm -hmm. it's not just a random silly quirk mm -hmm. uh, it, people believe that they're never clean enough because that's what you're doing to them mm -hmm. yeah and then you're gaslighting them yeah you're like yeah. don't be so yeah, yeah. And, then, and then you treat, mm -hmm. yeah and yeah. you treat them as stupid mm -hmm. for, yeah <laughs> yeah Ugh. that's gross um, um, is this is this the part where we have our Christian teen romance uh, obligatory way too lewd moment? I think that like their so shoulders touch. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, oh my gosh, I don't remember that. She leaned close to his broad shoulders so he could hear her. No, no. She wondered what it would be like to feel his cheek against hers. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's getting a little close to the mouth. Cheek and then cheek. Todd says something about Tracy and she clenches her teeth. Why did he have to bring her up? He has to, it turns out he has to go pick her up from work or take her to work. Which, as we have seen up like all along, that seems to be their arrangement. So I don't mm -hmm. know why she got so mad about it. Christy felt foolish for thinking about getting closer with Todd when he was far from having intimate thoughts about her because, you know, he's just so pure and also they haven't established anything about their relationship. So she just has to mentally punish herself. Yep. Yeah. And he is so uncommunicative and so distant that even when they're together alone, she can't tell if he likes her or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they get back to the house he smiled as if he were about to say something funny, but all he said was later and sprinted to Gus. This we... is the sign that your boyfriend is a dud and all of his positive qualities are in your imagination. <laughs> that's, that's so accurate. Um, so then Christy just kind of hangs out for a couple of hours until Marty gets back. And... Oh, she wandered aimlessly through the house, looking at the expensive things. The buying never ends for my aunt, she thought. And suddenly the words to the Debbie Stevens song, you can't find it at the mall, popped into her head. Thank goodness that Aunt Marty is such a um, shallow consumeristic bitch. Because otherwise, <laughs> how, how would Christy be prompted to think of these all these christian things yeah, yeah. definitely not if she was living with anyone else no one else has houses full of stuff that's only for <laughs> yeah. for material witches with the rest of us all live in clean pure little energy domes with yeah. no material objects yeah <laughs> yeah 
Um, oh, I missed this part. Having just spent the last two and a half hours with Todd, she should have been happy. Plus, she was going to Disneyland with him next week for her birthday, but she was miserable. All summer, she'd gotten everything she wanted and more, but she's so like she's super depressed. And yep. this is, I mean, and this is because, as we all know, there's a God-shaped hole in all of us. Right? <laughs> she just didn't feel happy and couldn't figure out why. Yep. You can't fill it with material like, goods. Your relationship is imaginary and it's driving you crazy. Yep. Yeah. That, that couldn't be. Also, like hormones, like what? There's a lot of there's a lot of reasons why you might be feeling crappy right now. Yeah. Maybe you didn't get enough sleep. Yeah. You just ate. You went and just ate a whole bunch of sugar. Like maybe you need some protein to balance out your blood sugar. <laughs> also, Todd, you know, just left you to go pick up Tracy and spent yeah. two and a half hours with you, and you have no idea if he likes you. He didn't even He's try jealous. to hold your hand or anything. So, yeah. but it's because Aunt Marty goes shopping. Sent Marty's yeah. fault. Yeah. Um, After once again, I have to I have to do my obligatory stand for Marty segment. She's she's blaming Marty being materialistic and saying buying clothes won't make me happy now. Um, when Todd arrives, of course, she's in a panic about what she's going to wear, and mm. thankful to Marty for all of the things that Marty has got her. Yeah. Well, I mean, thankful, but not like. Because she's no, also like, oh, I have, I have nothing to wear, though. When he, because she, mm -hmm. she can't find something to wear, she just throws on something. But yeah, she's like, despite the fact that Aunt Marty has been really giving her whatever she wants, she's still mm -hmm. like, can't find something to wear. You know. Yep. And and so this is this is a good segue into so the next segment is Marty taking her out shopping again, and now Christy is. Uh, you know, she's angry and she's growing and she's pushing back against her mean old aunt buying her things that she But likes. wait. Oh, wait. Oh, did There's I miss one something? very important thing before that. So mm. Aunt Marty gets home and she says, what in the world is on your face, dear girl? And this is why well, we find out now why Todd gave her a funny look. And it's because she had mm. a big glob of chocolate streaked across her cheek from the Balboa bar, which was the ice cream bar. <laughs> that stretched from her upper lip all the way up to her ear. And that and that's really what she's like so upset about. She like had this huge smear of chocolate on her face for hours yeah. around this boy that she likes and he didn't say anything and really laughed at her about it at the yeah. end. So so reality just, check. Yeah. If you and a boy are interested in each other and you have a smear of chocolate on your face while you're out on a date, it's cute. That's just cute. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if he likes you, then it's it's definitely then it's really cute. Yeah. And it's an awkward, it's such an awkward thing. You know, it's like when you, someone has stuff, something in their teeth. Like, do you tell them? Do you not? Because you don't want to embarrass them. But either way, yes. they're going to be embarrassed when they find out later. That's always like such a struggle. Like, what do you do? My policy: always tell them. Oh yeah, that's what I do now. But yeah. like, yeah. you know, but especially like at this age, you're like, mm -hmm. oh, like I don't want to, yeah, draw attention to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because then you might even have to make a judgment about it, like doing something extremely illegal, like saying, "Hey, you've got a smear of chocolate on your face. That's cute." 
that's a thing that people in, say, a relationship where they're allowed to acknowledge affection could do. Um, right. Instead, Christy is miserable. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 so, and embarrassed. so embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what he should have done is just licked it off her face. <laughs> oh, just got right in there. Yeah. Yeah. Just leave, you know. <laughs> I like, like real you. Bad. Just like a doesn't even know what's right going there. on by the time her face is wet. Yeah. yeah. Pardon? Uh, just like real fast so that like her face is wet before she even knows what's going on. That's <laughs> always really welcome and people are super happy. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? She did uh, want she did want to get closer to him and that's a way to do it. So Yeah. Didn't see anything she wanted some mouth action. <laughs> She wanted some cheek to cheek action, so. So, and then Christy, being really upset about this, goes shopping with her aunt, and she's really mad at her aunt for drawing attention to that. Basically, mm-hmm. I don't know, mm-hmm. and because her aunt says that her skirt and shirt don't match, so she says she should probably change it. So, anyway, so then they go, and Christy has like kind of a hissy fit shopping trip, and just like. Like you said, she starts like pushing against her aunt. She did something she'd never done before. She went through the racks randomly, picking whatever appealed to her and trying it on. If it fit, she asked her aunt to buy it. She never looked at a price tag. And then at the end, it costs $700. And then she feels guilty and goes back and like gets rid of most of it and only gets like three things. And then her her aunt is uh, kind of a jerk about that. <laughs> Or portrayed as being a jerk about that. Like, she says, if only your niece's taste in clothes were as strong as her impulsiveness, we would be doing quite well. (laughs) Yes. Oh, yeah. Although, I do want to say, like, at at the beginning of this, she's just kind of throwing it in her face of like, oh, no, Marty, I don't want and like the thing that you picked out for me. I want this mm-hmm. instead. And Marty just says like, okay, it's up to you. You, you know yeah. what you like and I will buy it for you. That bitch. <laughs> and at this point, Marty has been like in the store with pissy Christy, pissy like emotional 15 year old girl for an hour and a half trying on clothes and she's probably a little irritated yeah i feel like yeah yeah, in this book you're not allowed to ever show any kind of negative emotion like you know we talk about like how emotions aren't like well you know like if you're sad or mad that's like a bad emotion supposedly Mm -hmm. but yeah if you are not just perfectly happy and perfectly like you know, you're never irritated. Like, if you're never irritated, then you're good. But if you're irritated or, I mean, that's just going to happen. It's going to be a tension that comes up at some point, you know, yeah. in shopping and anything. Like, me and my husband don't shop mm-hmm. well together still after being married for 10 years. Sometimes we do, but sometimes it's like you go shopping and, you know, because we have different ways of doing things. Like, mm-hmm. different, different ways you want to walk around the store. If you're always, like, going like oh I want to look at this I want to look at this and the other person is like no let's just get in get what we need and go there's going to be tension there it's just a regular thing in human life that you got to deal with and then never mind like Bob and Marty 
are basically parenting. They've become parents of an adolescent for the summer with like no real parenting experience before this. Yeah. She's at an age where literally all of the chemicals in her body are shifting. And it's a very difficult age emotionally Mm -hmm. for boys and girls. Mm -hmm. And they're doing well. I, they're doing better than a lot of parents mm-hmm. at this stage. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing about this sequence, like the, the bare bones synopsis is that they go shopping. Christy deliberately makes choices to spite Marty's sensibilities and throws it in her face. Mm-hmm. And Marty's big crime at the end is noticing that. Yeah. 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 Like all she does is like notice and acknowledge what Christy was doing. Yeah. And her comment hit Christy like a gale force wind. That was it. Something snapped in Christy's mind. Marty instantly transformed from a sophisticated rich aunt to a snooty, self-centered peacock. So what if she had enough money to buy whatever she wanted for me? She didn't have much of a heart. Her lack of consideration for other people's time and feelings that she just spent with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who has a lack of consideration here? Yeah. It's it's so twisted and screwed up and the author doesn't realize it. Yeah. But also yeah. like as an adolescent reading this, I was like, yeah, of course. Like Marty's such a bitch, mm-hmm. you know? And that gets really internalized to just as like judgments about the way that women other women should be, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you yeah. need to be kind of passive and sweet and kind and yeah. whatever. So, so okay. So here's a significant paragraph. So over the next few days, Christy found more opportunities to silently rebel against her aunt's manipulations of mm-hmm. giving her everything that she wants and saying, okay, that's okay, we'll do what you want when you say no. Um, Just to be clear here, they were very subtle things that she wasn't sure Marty even noticed at first. But for her, every act of insolence fanned the inner flame of her dislike for her aunt. So that's really telling Mm -hmm. because Marty's not doing anything to her. She's just play acting out how much she hates Marty. And the more she does it, the more she hates Marty. And they don't have a conversation. They no. don't talk about it. Yeah. No. She, she just and it's is not, and it's not about herself up. Yeah. It's not about Marty at all. It's completely about her and her feelings of insecurity and her, you know, liking this boy and she doesn't know. And like finding out that this person that she thought was her friend or that was her friend has all these problems and get, being like witness to a recent death like there's so much that has happened to her that she has not really dealt with or Mm -hmm. been given an opportunity to deal with yeah and she's kind of put it all on marty um so yeah so she spends the next couple days just being a kind of a bitch to Marty and she so it says she had been around Marty enough to know what bothered her and Christy purposefully did whatever she could to prompt the aggravation so she is like intentionally baiting and harassing her aunt at this point yeah. like eating yep. in front of the TV or leaving her sandy beach towel on the, her bedroom floor 
Then there were the two killer pet peeves, slouching and nail-biting. Christy did both whenever possible just to perturb her aunt. Like a wounded animal, Marty backed off. Her aggressive attacks digressed into a timid routine of gentle reminders. Okay, what? so citation needed about the aggressive attacks. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, like, so like the author isn't portraying this be behavior by Christy as necessarily, like, good. But no. narratively, yeah. she gets rewarded. She, like, cows her aunt into submission. Yeah. Yep. Again, um, that's the way every woman should be, right? Just, I'll show you exactly how you need to be. So I will abuse you into being quiet. Yeah. I, th Except, I, mean, I, mean, I feel like... Oh. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, this is definitely, like there's definitely some teenage stuff that you would do as, or that I would certainly do as a teenager, just like the little rebellious acts. Cause you can't be just like overtly rebellious. At least I couldn't be, cause that would be too obvious. So you got to do just like these little things to piss off your parents or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like taking and, back your power. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, yeah. that's totally a teenager thing to do. So it's not. Yeah. But it's still very jerky of her. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, this this entire like all of this behavior is like completely believable, and like Christie's mm -hmm. not a monster for doing it or anything. That's just right. stuff that happens when you're a teenager. It's it's the narrative framing around yeah. like what it means in the grand yeah. scale. Of what yeah. Like her Ma Marty's aggressive attacks. I don't think she aggressively tried to attack ever. I mean, she was she's. She, she states her mind, basically, is what an aggressive attack is considered. I think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, like, like Marty is not an absolutely perfect uh, person, and like has some body image sniping and stuff that mm -hmm. that does happen in this book that um, she should not be doing. But if uh, the if the author wanted to make her like more aggressively controlling about Christie's body and like more um, hurtful and shaming and controlling, she could have. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's very telling that uh, the author is acting as if she's done that and she hasn't. You know. Mm -hmm. But I. It's also like this. It's okay. It's so interesting because I feel like what we have is the author dancing around this idea of like toxic body image, right? Like mm -hmm. there is this terrible way that women are socialized to be like preoccupied with their weight and with the way they look and with all these things. And, but she puts it all on Marty. Like she fails to recognize that it is really a problem. You know, like it's not really a problem. It's just Marty's problem. Well, the, uh, the author isn't allowed to acknowledge the real problem and has to instead like convert it into just a kind of like vague worldliness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, makes makes the whole thing kind of, um, yeah, uh, incoherent. Yeah, yeah. Um, tonally strange. Also, the way she she words this, like a wounded animal, Marty backed off. 
her aggressive attacks digressed into a timid routine of gentle reminders. Like it's Who's hurt when I, yeah, she is hurt. Yeah. When I first read this, I just thought like, she's trying to make it look like Marty is a bully, right? Like Marty's a bully and Christy is fighting back against the bully. And then the bully kind of like, doesn't like that and goes away and cries to her mommy or whatever, you know? Which is not really a fair characterization of Marty. No. Um, Christy gets back from the beach one day and has a letter from Alyssa. Mm -hmm. Should we read the letter? Let me see. Um, No. Not really. It's mostly just like, you know, uh, she regrets how her time there went. Um, she oh, doesn't here. know she why did. people die. She doesn't know how to deal with it. Yeah, the part about but Sean. She, um, I, I think about you and Todd and Sean and Eric a lot. I regret how my time in Newport went, especially since it was so short. I know I said some cruel things to you on the beach that one day about Sean. All I can say is that I don't know why people die and I don't know how to deal with it. I wish I could find some peace to ease all the pain in my life. My grandmother is sending me to a psychiatrist three days a week to work through some of these things. And she forbids me to go anywhere by myself. <laughs> okay. So it's basically the, like, I retract, I retract what I said before on the beach. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I feel, I feel like mentally this is like, so Christie's confrontation with Alyssa really like, you know, blows up and Christy doesn't really know what to do about it. And then, you know, when you have one of those arguments where you really feel, you know, it, it stays in your head because you didn't like how it turned out. And then you maybe in self-talk, you kind of imagine ways it could have gone differently. Mm -hmm. So like in, in the book, the, the, the argument is an argument. And then this letter is like just mentally telling yourself like, oh, this is definitely a way that all the people who wronged and disagreed with me would come out and say that they were the ones who were wrong and I was right the whole time. Like it's, it's, it's yeah. not a believable point A to point B. No. Uh, it's, it's completely unearned and it's just like the author saying, so anyways, if you sympathized with like any of the things that Alyssa was saying and the problems that she brought up, uh, don't worry. Don't Here's her saying she was wrong. Yeah. Moving on. Yeah. And all that took was like Christy being nice to her. <laughs> Was it not... even nice for her to her, or was she just there and confused? <laughs> no, honestly, like what, yeah, what did I mean, Christy do for she her? Helped that her pack. Like she helped her pack. Like she's okay. Okay, you're right. You're right. Yeah, like she, showing, yeah. showing up counts. Yeah, in this, especially for Alyssa. Yeah, like considering okay. her situation. Say hi to Todd for me. You're so lucky to have him. That was a laugh. Christy didn't have Todd. Nobody had Todd. Things have been as up and down as ever. And then she thinks back to that morning on the beach. And she has a conversation with Tracy about Todd. This is where she asks Tracy if she's interested in Todd. Yes. Why didn't Tracy fight harder for Todd's attention? Finally, Christy came right out and asked her, Tracy, do you like Todd? Todd? I love Todd. And this is also how these conversations go, like, yeah. in youth groups and things. Oh, my gosh. You know? 
then why don't you get jealous when he does things with other girls? Like tomorrow, for instance, he's taking me to Disneyland for my birthday. Oh, really? Tracy remarked without a hint of envy. I hope you have fun. Happy birthday, too, if I don't see you tomorrow. Uh, thanks, muttered Christy. Doesn't that bother you or anything? No, not a bit. Todd and I have been friends since last summer. The same guy led us both to the Lord here on the beach. So we find out they both became Christians at the same time. And Tracy proselytizes her a little bit here. Well, then Christy's like, what do you mean he led you to the Lord? Like the whole ditzy, I don't understand this again. Like after being raised in the church. Yeah, true. Drives me crazy. Um, Tracy's like, I know this could be, I know this could sound harsh, but nobody can become a Christian by just being good. That's why Christ died on. I know all that. Christy cut her off. (laughs) I don't know why everyone has to talk about sin so much. Because that's what separates us from God. As long as we're separated from him, we'll never be able to become the people he wants us to be. I don't know what you mean. Haven't you ever felt guilty for stuff and wished you could unload it all and start fresh? Christy flashed back over the past week and all the guilt she felt over her behavior toward her aunt. Yes, of course. I'm just going to finish this because this is kind of what the whole thing has been leading up to. You don't have to live with that. You can be free from all that junk if you ask forgiveness from God and ask Jesus to come into your life and be your Lord. You make it sound as though you and God are friends, Christy said, beginning to let down her guard. We are best friends. (laughs) Um, And then the boys come back and throw them in the water. But this, so, so once again, go ahead. Like, yeah, you go what, ahead. What, what church is Christy going to? Like, come on. Yeah, seriously. You gotta know <laughs> Every something. Sunday for her entire life. And Tracy is saying this stuff to her. And she's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> she was not paying attention in church. Um, but this, okay, so Tracy says a couple of things that I want to unpack. She says, nobody can become a Christian just by just being good. And then, because sin separates us from God and as long as we're separated from him what we'll never be able to become the people he wants us to be but also that's not really what they mean they mean you'll go to hell yeah um and then haven't you ever felt guilty for stuff and wish you could unload it all and start fresh and so this is what Christy really ultimately prompts Christy to become a Christian is this idea that like oh I've been being shitty to people I can just like pray this prayer and then I'm good. And I, you know, like, it's like, I don't have to deal with the cons. Like she still has to talk to her aunt, but then she doesn't have to feel bad about anything anymore because God forgave her. So right. it's, it's like kind of a yucky concept. Instead of, yeah. In, instead of emotionally navigating her own feelings and yes. communicating with people and dealing with the consequences of mm-hmm. her actions, instead she can say the magic spell to God that yeah. makes it all okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But yeah. like and, what they're communicating... Go go ahead. Um, Like Christy, this is the first time Christy shows contrition for how she's been treating Marty is when like Tracy's saying to her, haven't you done bad things? This is like completely unearned because until now, Christy just thinks that treating her aunt like shit is the best thing in the world. Um, And now it just suddenly shows up. 
when Tracy kind of leads her by the nose to having a conscience. Yeah, like the way this is framed basically is like the alternative to this, the alternative to asking God to take away your sins and starting fresh is that if you don't become a Christian, then you have to feel guilty for everything for the rest of your life and mm. then be tortured by for eternity by demons in hell. <laughs> like right. it's just like so bleak. Why would anyone not become a Christian? Yeah. And there's like the thing that bugs me about like, and also it's like if Tracy leads her to Jesus or whatever, is like she gets to claim like, Oh, I want a soul to Jesus, you know? And so it makes oh, her yeah. feel really good too. Like, Oh yes, I got one. But it's like, Christy says she's a Christian and she could very well have thought of herself as a Christian and a follower of God because she's just been that way her whole life. You don't need a definitive like this day at this time. This is when I gave my life to Jesus. If it's always been that way, that's fine. You don't have to have like this day that you can proclaim to everybody like July 27th for Todd or whatever, you know, like if you remember a specific moment, great, but you don't like evangelicals act like you must have a specific day and you must remember it, and it must be so significant to you that you'll never forget it, you know? So I was talking with someone, and <laughs> they um, were saying how, like, they always wish they had a more dramatic testimony. Mm-hmm. Um, that's always you the know, wish. Like, that's always the wish. You always want to be like, oh, I was addicted to drugs and had so much right? sex, and then Jesus saved me, and I've been free of all of it. Yeah, exactly. But it's also... um. Because that's so exploited. Those stories Mm -hmm. are so exploited in the church. And Mm -hmm. that gives you like a certain amount of social capital to have a really tough life and then be in the church. But and and also, I think what we were feeling when you're like a teenager and you're like, well, like you want me to share my testimony. okay? I was like raised in the church and I'm a Christian, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, that that kind of insecurity about our testimony is because there is this kind of teaching, like, it's not good enough if you were raised in the church. Mm-hmm. You, you know, like, you have to make it your own. Mm-hmm. You're not really a Christian. Yeah. Which is why these books were so popular, I think. Oh, yeah. Right, because they were for all of us Christians. Right. Let's come up with as much, you have to, like, dig through all of the teeny little things that you did, like, oh, yeah, that was bad, that was bad, that was bad, and they all add up to this really bad thing, which for me, I was, like, um, I think nine or ten when I, like, became a Christian, even though I was a Christian my whole life, it was at, like, this, it was at uh, Streams in in Red Deer, it, used, it was a Pentecostal church, I can't remember what it used to be called, um, but there was, like, this, you know, big preacher there doing, like, miracles and blah, 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 blah. And then he did like an altar call and I was like, I think I was in grade two. Oh, so I must not have been 10 because I, I think I was in grade two. And I was like, oh, Seven. I've been a bad sister. And then I just like was bawling because I've always been like very <laughs> like wear my heart on my sleeve type of person. And so I like bawled my eyes out and was like up at the front. And then these ladies all took me back. There was like three ladies surrounding me and my nose was just like running. And they gave me like this kid's Bible and everything. It was just like this very, very emotional moment. So that was like my, that's like my story of when I became a Christian, but really I had believed in God my whole, my whole life was not very long at that point, but you know, my whole life. And then, yeah. So I don't know where I was going with that. 
Well, I, I think that part of what it is is that they're kind of like fishing for like a uh, a trauma bond moment because like mm-hmm. I think I said on a previous episode, like I may or may not have done like an official confirmation ceremony, you know, to confirm my uh, commitment to the faith oh, yeah. or, or whatever. And like, I, I just, you know, it wasn't something that was a big deal because I'd just kind of been a Christian. Uh, what, I, what I'm trying to say is a lot of the times when they're saying like, have you committed yourself to God? No, but really have you, but really have you? Mm-hmm. Um, like there are probably moments in that person's life where maybe they did make a conscientious decision to commit themselves to a relationship with God and the mm-hmm. faith or whatever. And be, but because it wasn't couched in a bunch of like self-flagellating ritual or whatever, it wasn't a big emotional moment. Um, they, they don't remember. So they have to do it again and they have to do another and they have to do it with them and you have to do it with these people and they are a part of it. Mm -hmm. And that's like, that's what like Tracy is fishing for here with like putting another notch on her belt. Like, Mm -hmm. like, you know, we're saying, and like, uh, it's clear that like Tracy's playing the mind games and knows she has her on the hook Mm -hmm. because she's being deliberately coy like when when Chrissy says Tracy, do you like Todd? Like Tracy is not stupid. When she's right? like Todd, I love yeah. Todd. I love yeah. Todd um, as a brother in Christ. We, yeah. we just hang. Like she, she knows what she's doing. Mm-hmm. She knows that she's got Christie's mm-hmm. attention, and she knows that she's maintaining like this tense ambiguity about like her relationship to Todd by not just coming out and saying it like, Oh, if you're interested in him, that's okay. I'm not pursuing him romantically. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's allowed to have clear conversations. It's yeah. It's all just so like, and this isn't the only time that she does it. Like Tracy as, as a, as a character has this pattern of systematically refusing (laughs) to quantify her relationship status. Um, And she uses it for social leverage. And then this is what's like so frustrating in the next book where she, or I don't know, in the next, I think it's the next one where she has that conversation with Christy straight up where she's like, I hate drama. And then, (laughs) but literally everything she does in terms of relationships creates drama. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, I wanted to go back to your story about becoming a Christian as a child. Um, Because I just thought it was so interesting. Like, okay, having talked to Mitch about his experience at camps, Mm. and when we dug into that, we found like a whole pamphlet sheet for how to convert children. Oh, wow. Right? And then the fact that you had there was like all these people and they had like children's bibles available to like give you it seems like this was like a well-oiled machine of like (laughs) you know they had it planned so i think that this church just had like because i got a baggie of like a bible and like i think there was like a fruit snack in there and just like a couple other things so i think they just like had it had it like in stock in the back for any yeah. church service, not specifically for this one, but yeah, for any church service, yeah. like kids and then adults. And grown up for like, probably. if people become Christians. Yeah, yeah. You can like, yeah. 
I mean, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm in my thirties. I'll still accept a fruit snack. Yeah. <laughs> I totally, totally just ate fruit snacks tonight because, um, I gave them to my children and yay. <laughs> Parenting. Yeah. <laughs> and I was too tired to make real food with like the conversions and stuff like that. Like when Tracy says, haven't you ever felt guilty for stuff and wish you could unload it all and start fresh. And then, so that's like, what people say and what, you know, when they're giving altar calls and everything too, like you can be free and blah, blah, blah. And then you don't have to feel guilty, but, but they get you in and then you do have to keep feeling guilty. You, yes. be like, you're free. You're perfect. Yay, Jesus. And he has set you free. And yet you have to come back every Sunday, every Sunday, every Sunday, and you have to keep repenting. You have to have an accountability partner to talk about all the sins that you did that week and, you know, like, it just like I, it, when I was in Mexico, we had an accountability partner and it was um, just like a friend, like, you know, someone in our class, we would, t- you know, found a partner and you stayed with them through the whole year and you would talk to them and be like, is there anything I can pray for you for? Anything you're struggling with? Um, anything you, yeah, basically like it was a confession between friends really is what it was. <laughs> Okay, you are blowing my mind right now because so like growing up as a uh, as an Anglican kid in a small town with a lot of evangelicals, we'd get pamphleted and we'd get pamphlets from the evangelicals to tell us about. I think I've talked about this before about how we weren't really Christians. Yes, and we'd always get pamphlets for the Catholics because they we were beneath their notice or they we weren't worth the effort of getting it right oh, yeah. <laughs> anyways and so some of those pamphlets would be about how the pre- practice of confession with priests was evil and it should only be between you and god and no one else should know about needs to know about your sins and so hearing about this practice in the evangelical church of not only like okay so uh like the catholic church gets no credit for their priests being like good people that you should trust in any situation but like okay okay so instead of that they have this whole polemical thing about uh how you do not go to someone who is in theory a accountable community leader um but instead you're supposed to just have a personal accountability person assigned at random in the community with like no amount of like i don't know you know training right what to do if someone has really heavy stuff uh any amount of you know accountability for what they do with that information you just are supposed to snitch on yourself to some person yeah i mean basically or like have you know i don't see the problem (laughs) um i'm just kidding um (laughs) yeah (laughs) I see the problem, but like, or if you don't have a peer, you always, they always talked about like, you need to have a leader above you and you need to be leading someone else. So, you know, like, just you always have... not a Catholic leader above you. Right. Oh, okay. right. No, no. Yeah. Well, I not. think it's like the idea of having a mentor and then yes, you're mentoring mentor. someone. That's, that's a mentor. That's the, what I was looking yeah. for. Yes. Okay. Um, because then you're growing in your faith and also if you're mentoring someone, then you're invested, right? You're like deeply invested in the system, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, right. 
Well, and I mean, what, what it comes from is like some hostility to ritual, right? Like the idea mm -hmm. of confession being a ritual you do when you go to the church or like the Eucharist being a point in time when you, you know, confess your sins with the, the whole church with like uh, that prayer. Um, um, because there's a part in this segment where Christy says like, um, you mean you're supposed to ask forgiveness for your sins and ask Christ to come into your heart? Christy asked clearly someone who's been going to church her entire life and knows what this is yeah. and like and, and and tracy says exactly have you done that well no i haven't done that exactly how how has she not done that either oh, yeah. personally or in a prayer at night because she know, we know that she believes in god and prays mm -hmm. or in like a church communal prayer setting and i think that what it is for evangelicals and this whole thing where like they're hostile to confession to a priest but you're supposed to be confessing to just people at random in their community is this exact same thing with christy and todd's relationship where they get leverage from the tension of not knowing if you've done it and not knowing if you've accomplished it mm -hmm. whereas in more uh ritualistic church settings it's like well, y yes, you can pray to God and confess your sins. Also, we do that as part of the Eucharist service every Sunday. Mm -hmm. And you know you you, you did it. Mm -hmm. you, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. there's a clear and defined boundary. If, 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 if your personal prayers are ambiguous to you, there's still the prayer of confession. Mm -hmm. And then you know. And with the ev evangelicals, they can always be picking at you like, oh, have you really done it? Mm -hmm. Are you really right with God? Yeah. Are you right with God right now? It all depends <sighs> on their judgment. It doesn't matter whether you mm -hmm. think you're good enough or Which... you've been, you know, like you're in line with God. You're good where you are. It all depends on what they determine, whether you have actually done it or not, according, yeah, according to their standards, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the exact polemic that they levied against us in those little pamphlets that would be under my car windshield. Like when, anyways, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was ironic. I was home, oh, sorry. Yeah, when I was at the homeschool convention a couple weeks ago, um, I o just overheard a very, very brief snippet of a conversation, and I don't know what they were talking about. But they, but the lady was like, "Oh, like, do you know so and so?" And they're like, "Oh, no, no, they're not." they're not Christian, they're Catholic. Yeah, no, 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 not Christian, Catholic. Just like really yeah. specifying like, and there were just like a group of friends talking and I walked past and I was like, oh, you're killing me. Like I believed that forever. Like Catholics yeah. aren't real Christians. You can't be real Christians if you're Catholic. That is just absolutely crazy. And now I'm like, ah, just bugs me. It's just so judgmental and stupid. Like it is, it's so uh, stupid because it's like, yeah, it's like kids saying that their parents are not their parents. You know, like evangel evangelicism came from Catholicism, has roots in Catholicism. Right, right. You know, yeah, like and, it's so. Well, and, and not even that. Arrogance. Like, uh, ritual, <laughs> oh, yeah. Ritual, like ritual traditions in like the Protestant Reformation. The evangelicals reject those too. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Those aren't good enough for them either. Yeah. I think uh, there's. Yeah, there's like in the Catholic Church, I know like some of the big things are like uh, they pray to saints, I believe. And some some mm -hmm. Catholic churches um, also um, put Mary as part of the Trinity, as equal to the Trinity. Um, yeah. No, no, no. That's 
No, 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 I wish. No. That's um, what I want that to be true. So there's, there's like <laughs> cultural specific like veneration and respect for Mary as the mother of God, but no, they don't put her as part of the Trinity. That's just well, basically. I've se- I think it must depend on because um, I've seen some. I mean, I think most wouldn't say that, but like I was at a Catholic church for Easter. And like, I just went by myself and they said, I had a pamphlet because it blew my mind that said something about Mary being like equal or something to the Trinity right. or as part of the Trinity. So maybe it just depends. Like, does do Catholics huh. have different denominations? That sounds weird, but or are they uh, just Catholic? No, but there there are definitely different emphasis. Oh, okay. On, oh, okay. Uh, how much how much a given parish and also like cultural tradition because you know Catholicism is a big worldwide thing and trying to gel it all together Mm -hmm. is actually a pretty uh weird balancing act um but yeah i mean there are different parishes that get more or less into uh specifically the veneration of mary and also like the veneration of saints oh okay Um, yeah 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 but i so like i know that yeah just within christianity they would say no to catholicism because of those a couple of big things like that um and then but it's she like, literally gave birth to god that's got to be worth something <laughs> that is a big deal <laughs> without yeah. her he was not yeah you know like right just wasn't it wasn't happening without her that it that's got to be mother of god has to at least be on par with god <laughs> or above <laughs> yeah so honor your father and mother i right. mean come on there you go. like yeah. creator of god <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um okay so she has this conversation with tracy then the boys come and be teenage boys and th- take the girls and throw them in the water and so anyway she had the best day she got to see Todd. I mean, he threw her in the ocean. She gets back. This is the day before her birthday. She gets back to Bob and Marty's and her parents are on the phone. And her dad tells her that her vacation is over and she has to leave. She has to come home in three days. She's supposed to be there for the whole summer, but they're cutting her summer vacation short. Um, and they won't tell her why. And she's really upset yeah that part i was like why can't you just tell her like you're moving just tell, her. Just tell her why do you have to add because they have to add anxiety to every page is why i know <laughs> yeah everyone her. everyone just conspires to create narrative tension in this young woman's yes. life for no real reason. no yeah really no reason yeah, yeah. there's no reason why this could have been to like, be a surprise yeah surprise you're going back in like a, a month <laughs> or whatever it is. Or why did she have to go back at all? Right, yeah. Like, why can't they just pack up her stuff and then be like, hey, guess what? We're going to come meet you because we're moving yeah. there. <laughs> like, why did she need to go back? Yeah. Just pack her room for her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, when I was first reading this, I was like, oh, is this like the the narrative irony point where like, Christy's actions come back to bite her because Marty's been talking with her parents and been saying, ah, she's been treating me really horribly. I think something might be going on with her. You might have to have a talk with her. I was like, oh, geez, is this all going to blow up in her face and she'll actually face a consequence? I was like, no, 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 that wasn't it. That wasn't it. (laughs) I didn't even have that. I I guess because I already already knew Mm -hmm. that she had to go back because she was moving 
back. So, I mean, it doesn't really make sense, but that would have been, that would have been a more interesting choice narratively. Chapter 13, The Magic Kingdom. We made it to Disneyland, guys. Oh my God. Todd picks her up the next morning and they go, when she goes out to the, the, to his minibus, who's in the driver's seat or in the passenger seat? Tracy. No pride for guessing that. Uh, Tracy's like, hi, happy birthday. And Christy's like, is this your idea of a surprise present? I didn't think anybody was else was going to Disneyland with us. I'm just dropping her off at work, Todd said calmly. What a dick. <laughs> he should have told her. He should have. Yeah, that's just not okay to be like, yeah, come on out to the car. And she's thinking, okay, here we go. And then like, there's a girl right there. Yeah. But also like, at, and also like at this point, go ahead. Should, sorry, Christy should know like, Todd regularly takes her to and from work. This is the thing that they do. But Todd could have still given her a heads up because she's all excited and then it's like, oh, you gotta deal with another person. But also the way she writes it is like Todd said calmly is like he's being calm in response to her to like draw attention to how insane she's being, you know? When what's driving her insane is how Todd and Tracy have been consistently messing with her head about yes. refusing to quantify and establish what any of their relationships are. Yeah. Because yeah. Like, you're not allowed. Not her fault. Yeah. Um, it, Christy apologizes and Tracy's like, that's okay. And hands her a present. And, and and like that's that's the that's the sadistic thing here is that like it should be obvious not just to like we could maybe give Christy some like rope some credit for not figuring it out she is a little very dull. dumb yeah <laughs> but like Tracy and Todd know what's going on by now like yeah. like. It... <laughs> Had the do you like Todd? By the way, I like Todd conversation with Tracy, and they're still just acting like it's all just a bunch of accidental misunderstandings that don't mean anything, and they won't spell it out to this poor girl. They are just fucking with her for the sake of it. Like, come on. Well, he's also not allowed to like her yet because she's not a Christian. Yeah, he has to wait. He likes. He does like her at this point, but he's not allowed to say until she, you know, actually, you know, vocalizes her, her, you know, love for Jesus or whatever. And how's that working out for all? (laughs) Not well. (laughs) Sorry, this stuff actually really gets to me. It's so petty, but it really, it really gets inside people's heads, you know? Well, it got inside my head as an adolescent. Like, this is how I thought you were supposed to have relationships. It basically, like, not talk about it at all, and then not date, date, and then never, never actually, like, clarify Mm -hmm. what you're doing. And then, yeah, until you do. But, you know, you can't do that too soon, and it all has to be very nebulous and... We were both going to talk about our beloved Stephen. 
Yeah. Are you going to, are you talk about Steven? Steven on our first or second, uh, on our first or second date, depending on how you quantify it. I, I would say <laughs> our first date. I, what I thought of as our first date, oh, okay. because before that we had just been like hanging out. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also like it was in groups and stuff. So it was our first date. We went to like this film festival in Red Deer and to the Mexican restaurant. And then we were in the car afterwards and he's like, so what are we? And I was just like, so shocked yeah. that that conversation was happening mm-hmm. then. Cause I was like, what do you mean? Like, we're not allowed to talk about this <laughs> yet. Like it just, yeah. I didn't even know. I like panicked. Mm-hmm. Cause it was like, and this is kind of the way he was the whole, like he was always very upfront about things, which freaked me out because of this kind of, mm-hmm. this kind of socialization that I had. So I was just very noncommittal because mm-hmm. I was like, well, I guess we're seeing each other. Um, <laughs> and he was like, okay, so I'm going to change my Facebook status because that was you know all the rage and I was like well I'm glad you warned me because that would have freaked me out (laughs) and then he didn't change it because he listens (laughs) like pays attention so Mm -hmm. that reminds me of oh sorry no go ahead oh I was gonna say like when me and Jeremy started like dating we were secretly dating um because of where we were and we had to like oh yeah you weren't allowed to yeah so um I mean, the leadership all knew, but we couldn't, and and culturally, we just couldn't um, hang out alone together. Uh, I mean, I think it was partially culturally and partially the Americans that were there. Um, but anyway, so we just like would, you know, write to each other, you know, like on Facebook Messenger or whatever for like a few weeks. And then we were like, okay, we got to like announce it and make it official so that everyone knows if we're standing you know like if we're standing together or like you know on a date that they know that it's okay because we're actually like a couple and but I was still like not wanting to be called girlfriend and I didn't want to call him boyfriend so that same thing like I wasn't I don't know if I was just like scared I mean I was scared but it was just like, I'm not ready to call you boyfriend. And then, so we started dating February 20th and we didn't like, we didn't make it Facebook official until like April. And then I was like, and then I was like, okay, yeah, we can like, you can call me like girlfriend now. So that was like February, March, April. So like three months of like, we were technically dating, but I wasn't ready to be called anything. Yeah. It wasn't like official. Yeah. Yeah just weird did you have a story mitch oh god so uh so my high school evangelical girlfriend uh broke up with me because dating was impure and not god's way um and was did she uh, go to like an i kiss dating goodbye talk kind of thing that was really definitely read these books she definitely read these books Um, um and there was that guy who was who wrote I was dating goodbye that was all about like how you should be courting and not dating. You're not yeah. supposed to date. Yeah, I oh that yes, she Joshua. had that book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She had that book because I Joshua Harris. Yeah. Anyways, so so she breaks she breaks up with me. Um and 
me as a good little boy, I was like, oh, okay, so she's setting a boundary and we're not in a relationship. And that made me very, very sad because I really liked this girl. Yeah. And then her her sister starts telling me, no, 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 no. She still really, really likes you. You just got to stick with it. You just got to be there. She still really likes you. I was like, I don't know. She she broke up with me. No, she really likes you. I was like, okay. And then, and then she starts still like hanging around with me being cute being being flirty giving me like meaningful looks and things i was like what the fuck is going on she broke up with me we're not dating anymore what is happening and poor steven had to sit through hours and hours of like angsty me like tearing myself apart trying to figure out what the <laughs> fuck was going on because no one would tell oh, me why, why it was like this why Anyway, yeah. So that was that. That really put my uh, teenage head through the rigor because I could not figure out why the fuck any of that would be happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because she's not allowed to date you, but also she is kind. She's allowed to as long as she doesn't say that it's dating. You know, right? And I did. I did not. I didn't clue into that. I I never figured it out. Yeah. No. Well, you hadn't read these yet. Now that you've read these. Uh, you could go back to high school with Christian. <laughs> like, you know what? Christian high it school. Was for the best. It wouldn't. Uh, it... <laughs> um, they drop Christy off at, or they drop Tracy off at work. Christy opens the present, and it's a Bible from Tracy and Todd. Gosh, thanks. Tracy made the cover for it and wrapped it in everything. We find out from Todd. He bought the Bible, which is a very big hint from him. Like, thunk. <laughs> if you want to date me, if you want to, if you want to be my lover, you got to get with my friend Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, we find out how Todd that Todd is having a rough time. Oh. His teeth were clenched with me, which made his jaw look even more solid and manly. <laughs> she talks a lot uh -huh. about his square jaw and how he sticks it out. Yeah. And I always try to, I can't picture that. Like, how do you stick out a, like, what do you? I don't know. Do I was trying to picture it too. Like, without it looking just like very awkward yeah, and like not, not sexy. You know what? It's a good thing she's into a tense clenched jaw because I foresee a lot of that in their future relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Um, she does do a lot of descriptors of Todd, like his broad shoulders and everything. So, yeah, yeah, makes him seem very manly. Yeah, I, I was actually a little surprised at how uh, how lascivious it gets for a Christian novel. Mm -hmm. I was going to say she's trying to like give us lustful thoughts, but also then uh, make us feel bad about them. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Um, well, and it, it, it's so I'm not touching you because, like, the author can't talk about like how sexy his butt is or whatever. True, because that that would be lustful. But she can talk about how sexy his broad, manly shoulders are, and it's like, come on, come on, be an adult. It's the same shit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. Yeah, much. But they have an arbitrary line that must be toad <laughs> you're allowed to be it's okay for him to have like broad bare shoulders but in book number five when uh paula and christy go to hawaii um todd has a talk with paula about her bikini that she's been wearing which is definitely not okay 
Oh my goodness. Oh, of course, Todd gets to tell a woman that, yeah. oh, geez, wow. She go, he go, oh, I wish I could, oh, I want to say that part, but. We'll, we'll get, get there. there. We'll get yeah. there. Um, wow. Yeah. She secretly wished it had been something more personal. A Bible was something she imagined her Sunday school teacher giving her. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It was like, um, although when we were talking with one of our guests the other day on the, on the main feed, she was telling us how her mom um, would just like buy Bibles in bulk from Scott's parables and like give them out as gifts. She thought it was like the best gift you could give someone, right? Mm -hmm. the, the word of God. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. I did uh, when I left Mary Maids, that's where I, the last place that I worked before I moved to the United States, I um, was still very much into, like, I mean, I was very in the church still. And so I bought all of my coworkers Bibles and had their names in, like written on the cover embossed. embossed so that they couldn't like just get rid of it. And it was a very meaningful gift for me at the time, but now, yeah, I mean, I might give someone a Bible still if they wanted it, but it wouldn't be like, you know, it just depends. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, so we find out that Todd is, feeling some feelings about Sean and that's about that's it that's all they talk about is like the reason he has a clenched jaw is because he's upset about Sean well and and you know um compared to how it completely destroyed uh Christie's life like yeah this is actually compared to her who just met the guy a couple of days before he died this is Todd's best friend like he should probably be feeling some pretty heavy stuff mm -hmm. still you know yeah I just I feel like the author kind of um what's what's the word I'm looking for like she wimps out like she does she will not actually like talk have have Todd talk about and Todd <laughs> Todd isn't really a real person in these books. No. You know? No. And he doesn't get to be. He's just like a weird hollow shell that is there just to like house teenage girls' fantasies. Yeah. It worked. He was definitely like everyone's, he was definitely every teenage girl's fantasy. Like my friend and I always said we would like pray for our Todd's and stuff like that. And it was just like, that's how, that's how in your mind it was. Like you don't just pray for your future husband or even, you know, whatever. It's just dear or dear God, please bring nameless person to me ASAP or whatever. It's just like, pray that my Todd would blah, 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 blah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, and this whole idea of like praying for your future husband and like writing letters to your future husband comes from these. Oh yes. I mean, I don't, it might be it was maybe like culturally in the zeitgeist but specifically yeah. like it's in these yeah it was definitely a cultural thing and i definitely did do that did you give them to jeremy yes <laughs> so it's, it's embarrassing. yeah <laughs> yeah i did on your wedding night i don't remember i mean probably somewhere around that time but I remember as a teenager when I was writing them, sometimes it, sometimes it felt forced, but I was like, well, I have to do this. You know, like I have to Aww. write to my future yeah. husband because I mean, it's in this book and that's what she did. And this is the perfect relationship. So I'm going to write to my future husband about whatever. 
So I don't even remember what it is. Probably just like silly stuff now. But Does he still have them? I think so, somewhere. (laughs) They're somewhere. I I would be so embarrassed to read them. Oh. So they go to Disneyland. They hold hands at Disneyland. Right. They do. Yeah. Okay. Who who gets to read it? Wait, I have to find it. Do you want to read it, Mitch? This is like one of the few moments that we've all been waiting for. As a teenage, as a as a tweenager, reading this book, yeah. Mm-hmm. Christy slid her hand into his and felt a warm rush spread through her fingers, up her arm, through her whole body. Don't let go. Don't ever, ever let go. They waited in line for half an hour to go on the bobsled. Wow, they held hands for half an hour. Wow. Um, and when it says she felt warmth, a warm rush spread through her whole body. <laughs> it was her vagina. Yes. She's just, she's totally, there's, she's getting moist. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's funny. I never realized that before. Through her whole body. I never realized that. Yeah. 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 You yeah. know what you're saying. She's getting tingly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. I'm at the bobsleds. Sorry. Hold on. For a moment, Christy thought she would never fit there. Then the attendant took her elbow and hurried her. She stepped in cautiously, weighed her body in. <laughs> um... They ride. They ride some rides, and then he takes her to the Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse. And Todd talked about his dream to someday live on a tropical island. I'm gonna surf all day, eat papayas and mangoes, and sip coconut juice right from the coconut. Uh huh. Sounds exotic, Christy said. Are you gonna live in a treehouse like this one? Yep. I'm gonna sleep in a hammock too. And what are you gonna do for money? Oh, I'll just trade beads with the natives and live off the land. You know, you would have made a great hippie. I probably would have. My dad always says he was the last hippie. Uh, Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the reason I highlighted this was because much, much later, after they get married, this is a tension in the first marriage years book, Hmm. which I I started reading as I started reading it recently before we started recording the series, but it because I wanted to know what it was like. Mm. Um, we'll get there eventually. But anyway, like one of the big tensions in the first book is that Todd loses his job. And so, and he wants to go and be a missionary somewhere. Like he's been saying mm-hmm. forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and Christy has never wanted to be a missionary ever. So it's, uh, he like comes back to this dream and you know like his dream is the important one and her dream is like you know to serve her husband right she doesn't have any dreams that's Mm -hmm. all that's important yeah her dream is to be with him (laughs) yeah she got her dream yeah (laughs) yeah she's living her dream yeah so uh right right after that when when todd says that like his dad says he was the last hippie he's like oh he met my mom at berkeley during a protest march and they moved in together the next morning 
after they got out of jail, that is. So I just want to say, like, a big fuck you to the author for, like, assigning this, like, transitive by birth social justice cred onto Todd as, uh, like, this is, this is the author, like, layering on the ways that we're supposed to know that he's a, he's a good person. Whereas, like, if the author had people doing those sorts of things in her books that she's writing right now, and right now being whether it's in like 88 when the book was first published or uh, when we were all reading them in the 2000s or right now, th those people would be the villains. They totally. would be wrong. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And, and, and so Todd gets just kind of imbued with this mythical power of rightness alluding to a past of transgressions against the state for a just cause that like now the culture is of course like just blisteringly hostile to that yes um i i, I that really struck me yeah that's a really i i noticed i mean it it didn't strike me in the same way but i did notice like in this instance that like meeting each other and moving in together and they weren't married is not treated as a bad thing yeah, you're completely right. It's given a lot of social credit. And I guess I I mean, you know what? This is this is 88. Um I guess we don't know what Todd's parents were protesting. No. Yeah. Maybe it was a pro segregation demonstration. Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> At Berkeley though, probably not. Berkeley is in California well, and Protest. Well, yeah, yes, we'll they were protesting. No, I, I'm being there. deliberately unfair. I'm being deliberately yeah. unfair. Um, okay, I am gonna. I think we can skip through most of the Disneyland time. It just talks like yeah. mostly about the rides they go on. Is there anything that anyone well, wanted to? Too much time, if I ask. If taking a teenager to Disneyland is infantilizing, because like. <laughs> Sorry for like adult Disney fans. I've always find found it really weird and off-putting to uh, have like Disneyland fantasies beyond childhood. I know some people really think it's neat, but um... some people do. Yeah, do you? I are you really into Disneyland? I am not super into Disneyland. I mean, I think I mean yeah. As a child, I wanted to go because it was like this big, huge thing. I think it would be fun to see, yeah. but it's not like my dream to see it anymore. Like as a kid, it's everyone's dream to see Disneyland and I've never been still. So I think it would be fun to go. But now my dream is to do what we're going to be doing in the future is just like traveling and oh yeah, being a hippie and mm. no matter. Mm -hmm. Going to Disneyland seems like hell to me, literally. Like Personally, yes, but I'm trying to be more accommodating of other people's uh, you know. And I had one of my family members said something about like when I take my children to Disneyland and I was like, I mean, I don't know if I'll take them to Disneyland. Like we never went to Disneyland. And this person was like, be better. And I was so offended because <laughs> I was like, basically what you're saying to me is you need to really buy into this oh, like consumer God bullshits and marketing to take your children to this place where lit like as we read in this chapter all they do is they go on rides and then they spend a shit ton of money on like trinkety crap 
and eating a ridiculous amount of food and and like to me personally the idea of going to disneyland and being surrounded by people especially in like a post-covid world um and waiting in lines for hours sounds like hell oh yeah like it does it just sounds like horrible to me you don't want to go like i will not if i do ever go to disneyland because i I think i would like to go but just my kids are have got to be much older like can you imagine standing in line for a ride with a three and a five-year-old like that is not gonna happen no it sounds like not gonna happen but i mean even even when they're older and then there, cause there's this other thing where you can get like a fast pass, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't have to stand in line. You just have to stand in line with like the fast pass. Mm-hmm. But I also like pisses me off that they're like, if you, if you spend more money then you can get on the rides <laughs> yeah. faster the, the, and it's like this, mm-hmm. yeah, the rich people line, like yeah. there's so many things about it that just make me so mad. Uh, so yeah. uh, anyway, in response to that, I can't think of a place that would be less happy for me. But <laughs> <Right. to. laughs> it's the mm-hmm. happiest place on earth. Yeah, but I know I would hate it. That's like the ultimate vacation because, like, I never went to Disneyland either, but we went camping plenty of times. I have lots of memories of like going to BC and just family reunion—you know, Mm. just simple stuff that didn't cost a bajillion dollars. You know, it was like memories were made, but we slept in tents the whole time. You know, like totally. and, And that's there's so much more you can do with with the same amount of money, you know, you're going to spend a fortune at Disneyland. Like everything is a fortune. Like water bottles mm-hmm. are, I don't know what they are. 10 bucks probably. It's crazy. Yeah. And you have to like stay in a hotel and plane tickets. Oh, yeah. And yeah. yeah. And I, I think that you're very wise to put off doing it with like young kids as well, because like, you know, kids are emotionally volatile. And when you're going to Disneyland, it's going to Disneyland. It's like this thing. It's like there's this there's this external imperative to be like always having a good time and making the most of it and making the trip good and right. And kids can kind of pick up on that tension, too. Mm-hmm. And it just like ruins the fun of the entire mm-hmm. thing, which is how I've heard a lot of people describing it. I, I've never been and i'm not mad um but it's it's amazing to me candace that someone like directly got up in your face about like being a bad parent for not planning to go uh, yeah, to oh, yeah. It's, it's like is, is this like capitalist hajj and like i know your participation in our religion of spend money that's crazy uh, has to, to make your holy sacred pilgrimage to disneyland like yeah i guess so be better oh yeah. my god. also gosh. like I know, I know. It oh. it made me really did you, upset. Uh, did you tell them off, or could you tell them off? No, because well, mostly it just like shocked me, like right. that. I it kind of just like, like shocked what? me into silence. Yeah, I was like, yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> be better. I'm pretty um, dang good parent. How about that? <laughs> yeah, be better. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. So speaking of big, be better. How does the trip end? Not well. This one. Okay, yeah. so they went, Todd had this, like, big wad of cash in his pocket. He bought her anything she looked at, right? Was like, oh, you like that? Here, let me buy it for you. Let me buy it for you. Are you are you hungry? Do you want something? Let me buy it for you. Let me buy it for you. So they, um, <laughs> juggling all her shopping bags, she realized Todd had his hands full of bags, too. She hadn't remembered buying this much, but now the bags felt heavy and burdensome. Her feet ached, her throat ached, her arms ached. If she went on one more ride, she would be too tired to scream. 
So that's how her day ends. She's like exhausted from spying crap and going on rides. And they, so then they go home and they, no, when they get back to her house, he gets out to like walk her to the door and he walks her to the door. He turns around and goes back to his car and then turns around and comes back to her. And she's like, is he going to kiss me now? Um, and he's like, I almost forgot. Here, he pulled a wad of money from his pocket and handed it to Christy. What's this for? Your aunt. It's what's left over. What do you mean? I don't get it. It's left over from the money your aunt gave me to take you to Disneyland. We didn't spend it all, so I thought you should give her the rest back. The blood drained from Christy's face. You mean my aunt asked you to take me today and she even gave you the money? Hey, it's cool. We had a great time. I'm glad she talked me into it. Talked you into it? Christy turned on her heels and jerked the front door open, catapulting up the stairs. In her fury, she stumbled on the third step and lost her sandal. With the rage of a wild warrior, she grabbed her sandal, heaved it toward Todd, and fled to her room. Someday in the Magic Kingdom, so much for happily ever after, her fairy godmother was only her aggravating aunt, and her handsome prince had just turned into a toad. So again, Marty is trying to make sure she has the experience of a lifetime. What an evil witch. <laughs> but but also, you know, they, they can't just talk about it, right? Yeah. No, of course not. Yeah. That's not dramatic enough. And also, while Todd is buying all of this, she's okay with Todd spoiling her and buying her things and doing all this stuff for her. But if her aunt does it, then she is just materialistic and terrible. But because this guy that she's obsessed with is doing it, it's like, it's okay, even though it's just stuff you're going to throw out in a few years, just like ridiculous. Yeah, like you like trinkets Trinkets. and everything. I hate having crap like that in my house. But yeah. Well, and, and you know, and it's because Todd is such a fucking dud that the last thing he does is say, oh, here's the leftover money. And like, you know, doesn't express any affection to her. Yeah. Because that's illegal. He handles this badly. He does. That's, that's the real problem here. Yeah. He acts like he doesn't care and he doesn't, he acts like it wasn't a date, even though at the beginning it was definitely, it seemed like it was a, definitely a date. And now at the end, it's just like, mm-hmm. mm, okay, well, see you later. I'm not going to show you anything, which is very, like, you know, how a lot of narcissists, um, act, like, they'll lead someone on and then act like, well, I don't have actual feelings for you. I'm not going to show you my feelings. Oh, my God. And I wonder right. if she's married to a narcissist, like Robin Jones Gunn. Like, do you think this is the way she thinks relationships should be? Like, this is the kind of man that you really want? I mean, I'm sure she, like, her husband is a counselor, like a therapist. Um, oh, and he's probably not bad. So, um, I mean, I, they did ministry and stuff together at the beginning. But, I mean, but even so, it's there's still very much the hierarchy of, like, the man is above the woman, mm-hmm. though. You know, like, that's just yes. the way it is. Yeah, an evangelical Christian counselor, I'm not necessarily going to give him a free pass. That's fair. That's fair. Um, With no other uh, facts in play. We did it. Okay. Last chapter. Okay. Okay. Um, So 
Christy uh, got back from her date with Todd. She didn't feel much better than she had 12 hours earlier when she had thrown her shoe at Todd, flung the money in her aunt's face, and screamed, Get out of my life! She sees what humbled Christy was seeing her new Bible fanned out on the floor where it had landed after being ejected from a flying bag. So that's wink, what makes wink. it. Yeah. Um, and then she starts talking to her Bible or to God. We're not sure. She's like, I'm sorry. It's just that I don't think any of this is fair. It seems like she's talking to the Bible. Yeah, it does. But then she realized she realized that she was talking to God as if it were the most natural thing for her to do, just like her new friends talked to him. And so she's like, what am I doing wrong, God? And then in after she asks that, she has a piercing thought about the, the nightmare she had two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Or however long ago. Which really props to her for managing to keep a dream that she had in her mind for two weeks. I don't remember them, you know. Yeah. Five but this one, first of all, this was a dream from God that was very much like, here is a boat to heaven or you can be sucked down to hell. And so, you know, it was like a very impactful dream because God wanted it to be impactful for her. Right. Um, right. God, and this, God won't let her forget, which really yeah. raises a whole lot of questions about her agency in making this decision. But. I know there are that is a there's a lot of questions about agency in Christianity. Um, and so she thinks about that. And then she thinks about that in concert with the conversation she had with Todd, where he was really bad at explaining uh, why you would become a Christian. And she realizes that she needs to pray the sinner's prayer. And this is where she becomes a Christian. Mm-hmm. God, I realize that what's missing in my life is you. I mean, I've known about you my whole life, but I don't know you the same way Todd and Tracy do. And I want to know you personally. I want to know you personally, like they said. I really want you to come into my life. So, Lord, please forgive all my sins and come into my life right now. I promise my whole heart to you forever. Amen. She opened her eyes and turned to study her reflection in the mirror. <laughs> She looked the same as when she had pulled herself out of bed, but inside she knew she was different. Not wildly emotional or anything, just clean, secure, happy. I hate that it, they describe it like as clean. Yep, yep. You hear this, you filthy, guilty teens? Say the magic words, become better. Yeah, and. And yes, so like, first of all, instantly she's clean. She does have to like go and talk to Aunt Marty. She feels like she has to go talk to Aunt Marty, which is great. But Mm -hmm. I just want to talk about this idea of like, what has she done that has made her like, quote unquote, dirty? Yeah, Like she's been kind of very emotional and kind of pissy. And it just seems like, like the the act of like having emotion or feeling frustrated mm-hmm. is sin. Right. Yeah. Or having That's a, what makes you yeah. dirty. Having yeah. bad thought yeah. or something like that. But yeah. Yeah. Or but like in this instance, like murdered anyone or. You know. It's like being mad at her aunt. Like you're not allowed to be frustrated. Mm-hmm that's sinning mm-hmm. like what else are you supposed to do like you're just you're not allowed for your body to experience like very normal physical reactions mm-hmm. to 
frustration and like having emotions Mm -hmm. that's sinning yeah that was like my takeaway my ultimate takeaway from this yeah very much um she goes and apologizes to aunt marty and oh well yeah this is important yeah this is important um before we before we get there though i i just want to like set a note for later episodes that so the catalyst for her becoming a christian is she's angry at her not boyfriend who either doesn't know what he did wrong because she won't communicate that she wants to date him or anything about the status of their relationship or because he's a fucking monster and knows and is just pretending he doesn't know um what one of those or the other so just the entire catalyzing impetus for her becoming a christian is dating a guy yeah, yeah. Let's and just she make becomes... a mental note of that. Right. Yeah. Because the author's going to have something to say about this later. Yeah. Um okay, so then she goes to find Aunt Marty so she can apologize. About last night, Christy began rubbing her hands together. I think I owe you an apology. No, darling. Aunt Marty turned to face her. I realize that it is I who owes you an apology. Uncle Bob remained quiet with a furrowed brow, as if he were unsure where this conversation would lead. I was terribly at fault, and I'm not sure I can ever forgive myself for not preparing you for your first experience. Well, Christy fumbled, it's not that you didn't. I mean, I really shouldn't have expected anything more, I guess. It's just that I really thought Todd wanted to be with me just because he liked me, but... No, Christy, don't blame yourself, and don't blame Todd. It's my fault. I really should have seen it coming and done more to prepare you. It just hurts, that's all, and I felt so stupid, so used. Yes, Aunt Marty agreed. Men can make you feel that way, especially the first time. What do you mean men can make you feel that way? Christy asked belligerently. You made me feel that way, Aunt Martha. I made you feel that way? How how could I possibly make you feel used? By giving Todd all that money and bribing him into taking me to Disneyland! Aunt Marty stared at her in disbelief. You mean that's what all the tears were about last night? The screaming and the turmoil were simply over me helping to finance your birthday excursion. (laughs) Well, when you put it that way. (laughs) Yes, Christy stared back. What do you think? What did you think I was so upset upset about? Bob interjected. You don't want to know what she thinks you were upset about. She's lost all comprehension of youthful innocence. Too many soap operas. It's warped her mind. It has not, Robert. I resent you saying such a thing. Here I was, honestly concerned that Christy had had her first intimate encounter with a young man and feeling guilty for not doing more to prepare her this shows like how much marty has really taken on the on how motherly she feels toward her Mm -hmm. you know that she feels like that would be her responsibility but also well yeah yeah and and she's like just judging herself for like not being psychic and knowing the future yeah although i feel like with how in in not in your face, but like how forward she was with Christy in so many other situations. I would be very surprised, like if she wouldn't, if she thought Christy was gonna have sex for the first time, she would have said something to her. 
You know, yeah. what I mean? like she wouldn't have just yeah. said nothing. She would have like said something and like maybe given her a condom or like had some kind of talk True. with her. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of just kind of trying to, well, but, but because that's how the author just sees all relationships working is her aunt just tries to sneakily gigolo Todd out to her without saying anything. That's just normal. Right. That's how everyone does everything. But in this, in, in this instance, like Marty is actually the only one who ever talks to people. Ooh. Like Christy told Marty, Mar Marty knew that Christy was interested in Todd. And so Marty had a conversation with him and was like, like she was like trying to do something that Christy would like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's true. It, it, it was, it was a bad idea, but she's the only person who's tried to exert some kind of <laughs> action into making this relationship happen that everyone yeah. can see. Yes. I like the next, can you read Marty's next line, Mitch? Why well, I've done nothing but lavish my love on you all summer long. I've given you everything a young girl could dream of. Your uncle and I have made a great number of sacrifices for you. And if that is all the thanks we get, then perhaps it's for the best that you're leaving tomorrow. Maybe once you're gone, you'll appreciate all we've bought for you. Well, good for her. I feel like she's communicating her truth in that right. in that instance. Yep. Well, I, I also think this is the point where, like, the 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 author takes hold to, like, just to remind you why Aunt Marty is wrong. Well, the last sentence, you'll, maybe yes. you'll appreciate all we've bought for you. Like, up until then, it's pretty solid. Mm. And then she makes it all about, like, stuff. I mean, you're, you're right. The, the, the first part is true. And like yeah. may maybe a, a little mis misguided and clumsy about how she's gone about it, but she's trying and it, and you're right. It speaks to like why she's doing this. It's because she genuinely cares about Christy and is thinking about mm -hmm. her. Yeah. Which... <laughs> and turning that into action, which no one else is willing to do. Yeah. Aside from giving her a Bible. Then Christy, it says, Christy wanted to rush over to her aunt, first to hug her and then slug her. How could she think in such a twisted way? How could she take a situation and bend it so that Christy came out the guilty party? Mm. But she was right, too. Christy had taken all the clothes and dinners out and excursions for granted. And then Christy says, there's some things you can't buy with money. She's just like such a shitty... <laughs> And and then the author has such a low opinion of the intelligence of everyone reading that she just kind of bursts through the page and is like, as soon as Christy said it, she thought of the Debbie Stevens song, You Won't Find It at the Mall. <laughs> now she really knew what that song meant. Oh Do you God. get it? Do you get it? <laughs> but she makes Aunt Marty really, she really hurts Aunt Marty. Mm -hmm. In that, like, Aunt Marty won't even look at her yeah. after that. She's like, I have nothing more to say, Christina. Which, yeah, like, she was. She was she was just straight up mean to her. Yeah. Um, and then Bob's like, okay, you need to leave. Why don't you go hang out on the beach? <laughs> Bye. <laughs> um, well, and, and even, even then, Aunt Marty's looking out for her because she says, hey, 
she she's still after all of this like the the author the author puts you know i have nothing more to say mm-hmm. to you uh, as like a kind of finality but then just a couple lines later she's like hey christy you need to make up with Todd before you go home. She's yeah. still looking out for her. She is, oh. yeah. And then Christy's like, I need to make up with you too. And Marty's like, all is forgiven. So she like even forgives her, mm-hmm. you know? She puts on a, with a little smile. Like she's obviously still hurt, mm-hmm. but she's not Being trying to make people. Christy feel shitty about yeah. it. Like Christy has made tried to make her feel shitty about everything. Yeah. The whole time. So then she goes to the beach. She can't find Todd. She talks with Doug and Leslie and Heather and finds out that there is going to be, they're going to have a fire on the beach that night. And Todd Um, might be there and he plays guitar with his guitar. And and just to show us how with it and hip to the kids, the author is uh, Doug, who is the cool surfer guy, um, teases Christy for using the word cool. He's like, now that's a real groovy word. As if like she's just committed a faux pas of not being with it with the hip lingo of the kids. Yeah, awesome and cool. And it's like that, that is never going to happen to the word cool. People have been using cool since the 50s and they're gonna keep using it because it's true. It, it it cool never becomes uncool. It's I'm true. sorry. And same with awesome. Awesome and cool. They always get teased about that, even in future like I almost said future, yes. episodes, future books. It's yeah, like those are two of like the words that people use all the time. Like groovy went yeah. away. Groovy was like, I don't know what, 60s, 70s, 80s, something. Gnarly, yeah. you know, like words like that have gone away, but tubular. Tubular, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Does the author think that she can like just future proof this and like get one out and ahead of cool becoming uncool? It's like, no, 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 no. It's not how it works. Um, so Christy at around five, she goes back to her aunt and uncle's to get ready for the party. And she finds she had a letter from Alyssa. Woohoo. Another letter from Alyssa. She finds out Alyssa is dating. Uh, she has a new boyfriend. His name is Everett, but everyone called him Brett. She sounded pretty happy with him, but Christy wondered how long that would last. And I just thought like, this was such a judgmental, like bitchy, (laughs) moment from her like now she knows now christy has some experience and she knows that Alyssa just like man she just can't keep a boy because she's like so slutty Mm -hmm. oh i thought you were going to say now christy has some experience she's held someone's hand (laughs) no she like she understands like now that she's seen how much how many problems Alyssa has Yeah, yeah yeah okay so Christy decides, okay, she's going to write to Alyssa when she's on her plane home. She felt she now had some answers to offer. She's been a Christian for less than 24 hours, but she's got answers for Alyssa. Having Jesus in her heart made her feel as though she wasn't, weren't all alone anymore. Trying to figure things out on her own. Alyssa needs that kind of friend, somebody who isn't going to leave her. So now that she's a Christian, she can bring Jesus to Alyssa. But then I also wondered, like, is it good that Christy is being friends with her, even though she's not a Christian? Because there's like this, they have, there's this major tension in these books, you know? Yeah. 
Tracy would no. discourage her from that. Right. She as would. We saw her yeah. do with like, Todd. Why would she be friends with someone who's not a Christian? Or, or does something similar in, in a future book. But yeah, Tracy is always like, no, we live segregated existences. The heathens can fucking burn. Yep. Um, <laughs> it, I think it's really interesting to note here that uh, Christy is high on the rush of uh, having converted mm -hmm. and is like, yeah, everything's clear to me now. Yeah, I, I, I know don't it feel all. Alone or anxious, and uh, God is there to help me feel secure and make decisions. Like that's what the author is selling to us as like a perk of conversion. Here is that like Christie's mental state internally has improved, and she's not alone. She has her friend Jesus to help her make mm -hmm. decisions. So bear that in mind as she continues to be an anxious wreck for every other book moving forward. True, that's a very good point. Because she's telling us right here that it helped. Mm -hmm. And uh, then it doesn't help. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's on her. Right. We find out, like, in the other books, that's, like, that's on her. Because she's not, like, trusting or listening to God enough. Right, yeah. Yeah. To let God help her. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Right. Christianity and conversions and all of that is very psychological. Like, people think it's spiritual. 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 I like that word. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I've, as I've thought about this and like deconstructed my entire existence, I'm like, so much is psychological. Like, it's, mm -hmm. it's not a spiritual thing. It, like, I still believe in the Holy Spirit. He could, I think Holy Spirit can still like speak, which is like a lot of like conscience, your conscience and stuff too. I think it's like kind of the mm -hmm. same thing. But yeah, it's definitely like, psychological because she's psychologically on the high but mm -hmm. yeah you and, and that happens all the time with new believers they're so excited and yay jesus and going to evangelize everybody and then like a few years yeah. down the road they're tired they've got realized that they still have everyday life to deal with and and then they just like burn out but it's really like they have to live their everyday life yeah yeah mm -hmm. It's not all con it's not all conversion day. Yep. <laughs> it's conversion day. It's conversion day. Well, you say that, but that's what Todd Todd does. He he reminds himself every year and has a little birthday of yeah. it to relive that little yeah. high. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Um so then Christy is getting ready for her evening and she's looking in the mirror and she looked like a true California girl, dark tan sun-streaked hair i'm gonna move to california as soon as i'm old enough this was her real home now she felt no connection with cows and snowdrifts and all that went with wisconsin living palm trees and surfboards that was more her real self now i just put i guess she found out who she is <laughs> thanks aunt marty yeah palm trees and surfboards and living in california that's you know that's who she is deep inside herself mm. She's self-actualized now. Mm -hmm. Wow, it sure is good being rich. <laughs> yeah, and and enjoying an aesthetic is the same as having an identity. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, she goes now. Her aesthetic to... is Christian. Now her aesthetic, yeah, true, Californian and Christian. <laughs> Putting together a California Christianity mood board. <laughs> yeah. I want to see it when you're done. Please make that for real. <laughs> um, so she goes to this fire 
Todd is not there and never shows up. They decide to sing without him. And it makes Christy cry because, you know, Todd's not there and she really wanted him to be. But she feels really good having an emotional bond with all of these Christian kids who will sing songs with her while she's feeling emotionally bad. Yeah. Yep. So here comes a really easy thing to give people. Uh, yeah. Here comes like the gross, the gross, one of the grossest parts. Okay. Um, they're all they're all sitting around the fire and they start praying. Some prayed for their family, some prayed for their friends, that they would become Christians. Like all these are so that they can be socially acceptable and go to heaven. Mm -hmm. uh, Christy was the second to last one to pray. Surprisingly, the words came easy. Dear Lord, I want to thank you for coming into my life this morning. Please be with my family and the problems we're having now. And please be with me when I go home tomorrow. Amen. And then everyone, she... When she's done, everyone is looking at her and they, they all spoke at once. That's great. Wow, you're kidding. I can't believe it. We've been praying for you. Everyone gathered around her in a big group hug and Christy was amazed at how excited they all were. She never felt so loved and accepted. It's, it's the congratulations scene from the end of Evangelion. Um, it's just that, like... Sorry, I'm being a nerd, but... I mean, <laughs> this idea that, that like, Christians are so accepting, you know, and that, yeah. that people are drawn to it because they're so loving and accepting. But the whole time, like, Tracy was like, oh, no, you can't hang out with people who aren't Christians. Mm -hmm. And the whole time they were hanging out with her, it was all, like, we were praying for you yeah. to become a Christian. You know, we're like, hanging out with like, you only is... because we have an ulterior motive. There is no loving acceptance and there is no, there is no, there is only after she, they find out she became a Christian. She never felt so loved and accepted. Like, I, I think it's gross because there's this, they, they sell this idea mm -hmm. that Christians are so loving, you know, mm -hmm. and like people will just see God shining out of you. And, mm -hmm. but they're like actively not mm -hmm. like tracy the one specifically who is supposed to be like so nice and whatever is like todd you need to stop talking to sean you need to stop mm -hmm. seeing him like you know yeah that's not loving yeah no <laughs> it's but anyway if then when she becomes something... a christian yeah. yeah i was gonna say if there's something like if sean was was like trying to get todd to like keep doing drugs or whatever i don't know if todd did drugs before but like, you know, like, you know, actively leading him down like a bad road that would like be, you know, like to have Todd become become addicted to drugs or something like that. Then I can see why she would be like, yeah, you probably shouldn't yeah. hang out with him. But it's just he's not a Christian. He doesn't believe the way you believe. So cut him off. Yeah. 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 And and you've really got to wonder if like, you know. Uh, going outside of the text if that might be some of the baggage that was hanging over their relationship when Todd is telling him to not go out surfing while high and they get into a fight right mm, totally because, because Todd's been like overbearingly 
Jesus Freaky to his friend and the rest of Todd's friends have been saying like, you know, cut that sinner out of your life. Mm -hmm. And it's like, of course, John is going to be feeling like judged and mad at his friend Mm -hmm. and not receptive, Um, you know, because it's just so socially repugnant and fucked the way that they all are treating him. Yeah. Yeah. He dies. (laughs) And then he so dies. Chris <laughs> yeah. For eternity. With Todd yep. and God. And Todd not Sean. And, God. and not Sean. No, he's burning. He's burning <laughs> in hell forever. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. Um, then Doug walks her home. And Christy talks about how she's going to miss listening to people talk about God so easily and naturally. Which, again, is not a real thing, I don't think. It, it just isn't. I don't know. Like, I, I, last time I told the story about, like, the girl on the bus who was talking to me about God. Oh, yeah. And also, I did Christian youth work in England for, like, three years. And I remember there was one point where me and this other youth worker, we were, like, walking around and then... Um, we, she like started praying. So then I was praying and at the end she like thought it was like this amazing thing, but I don't know. I was just uncomfortable the whole time. And then she so like told everyone about how it was like so great and wonderful. And I was like, yeah, but I, I mean, I guess I can't speak for other people, but from my personal experience, it's all a lie. You like pretend like it's natural, but I don't know. It never was for me. No, no, I, I hear you. I think we've de- I've definitely been in situations where there was a room full of like five people and we're all talking about what a uh, positive and holy experience of communion with God, whatever thing that just happened was. And we're all just kind of trying to sell it to the rest of the group and ourselves, hoping that no one can tell how much of a fraud we are. <laughs> mm. I think it depends who you're with. I mean, yeah, I've heard so many stories of people are just like faking it and everything. But for me, I was always sincere in my, mm-hmm. you know, belief or whatever I was feeling, even if, it, even if now looking back, it was not necessarily spiritual, but emotional. Like, yeah. And so I also think, you know, if it's like a, f- a close friend that you're like talking about God with or having like, it's different if it's like a group of strangers. Mm-hmm. Like I'm always uncomfortable in a group of strangers, even if it's like a Bible or Bible study or something, which I haven't been a part of for ages. But you know, stuff like that is so awkward, and it's just like, oh, this is so great. Okay, cool. I want to like, you know, bury myself under a blanket and not talk to any of you. So I think it depends on your level of like relationship with other people, relationship status, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because it's it's not it's not even about like an intent to deceive or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a fear of being ostracized and left yeah. out because yes. you're not feeling what right. everyone else it's is. It's a saying, desire but, to feel yeah. what other people are feeling and to be like, yeah, totally, yeah. yeah, yeah, or like at least a fear of like if you say that you don't, then they'll be like, well, obviously there's something wrong with you or you're not connected to God. Yeah, or, like, know, like what is it that's blocking you? you? Yeah, or even like, yes. yeah, what is it from blocking blocking you from this particular experience or whatever? 
you're 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 trying to stave off someone doing that mm. someone like getting into your life and being like what's going on with you are yes. you okay if you weren't feeling it tonight, yeah what's wrong um yeah and sometimes you're just fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah um so doug was so easy to talk to why didn't she like him the way she liked todd he was cute, nice, and caring, but there was just something about Todd. Todd, why wasn't Todd standing by the front door with me tonight instead of Doug? She knew she had ruined everything when she threw her shoe at him. She, uh, and then she goes inside and goes to bed, uh, but she couldn't sleep. Why didn't Todd show up tonight at the barbecue? Will I ever see him again? Why do I have to go home tomorrow? Why is life always so complicated? She wore herself out trying to come up with the answer. And then she prays about it and God helps her go to sleep. Um, or she just got really tired and finally fell asleep. Fell asleep. Well, finally, her mind, yeah. Um, Uncle Bob wakes her up at six o'clock the next morning and they have to leave in an hour. She tearfully took one last look at the house, one last gaze out at the beach and allowed herself one last thought centered on Todd. It was all over. Her summer, her first love. <laughs> they went on two dates. Yeah. And and you know what? Yeah, that 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 is your uh teenage love. Little young teenage crush yes, first. Yeah. That first is true. Love. That's true. That is that's okay. Yeah. It's it's sweet. It is sweet. But it's it's confu- it's a confused mess of really bad emotional coping but yeah it's it I mean that, I that, think that can I, be okay yeah yeah I think the thing that gets me though is like she so the author did this thing with Alyssa where she very obviously was like making the point that this isn't love you know like she has mm. structured what love is and has communicated it or attempt is attempting to communicate it in these books. And what it is, is like Christy and Todd's relationship basically, but we don't have a relationship. Exactly. Like this is the, (laughs) I mean, her first major crush. Right. And they, I mean, and I don't know if the, the second one is really a date, like it is a date, but it was also like all, kind of set up by her aunt yeah. so it's like anyway well not not only uh marty's meddling to set the whole thing up but todd is showing no reciprocative affection outside of buying her things and it has not at any point oh yeah and oh he, yes he initiated that yeah. oh, okay right right okay yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. There's no way right. as a woman the... you would not. Yeah. You would not even dare. Um The car stopped at a red light. This was the same intersection she and Todd had crossed on their bike. I thought she allowed only one last thought centered on Todd. Todd, just thinking about him caused a painful ache deep inside her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> She swallowed the swelling wad of agony in her throat. Come on. (laughs) 
You know, the way you read this, I just see uh, it in a whole new light. <laughs> Sometimes I do wonder if the author is aware of what she's putting on the page here. I don't think she yeah. is. <laughs> um, are my lights on? Bob asked Marty. No? Then why is the guy in the car behind me flashing his lights and waving? Christy turned around. It's Todd! Don't go yet! But Christy, darling, the lights turned green, Marty protested. Christy jumped out of the car and bounded toward Gus. Todd stepped out of the van with the engine still running and handed Christy a small bouquet of white carnations. Her favorite. How did he know? Whose favorite flowers are carnations? But also, like, now he does something? Yeah. yeah. Well, because How? it's acceptable. Because oh, he's, about, he's about, well, right, it's acceptable. And he's like, oh, crap, she's literally about to leave. Maybe I should actually, you know, she's get leaving. my crap together. And she, well, she became a Christian. Right, yes. Because he would thing. not have. Yeah. Had she not become a Christian, he would not have showed up. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you stopped, Todd said with a smile that showed his dimples. The horn's not working in old Gus this morning. Thanks for the flowers. That's okay. Hey, Tracy called me last night after she left the beach and told me about your decision to turn your life over to the Lord. And I'm going to tell you right now that I can finally be interested in you <laughs> and show you it because also, you're a Christian. We can't just like have this emotional moment together. No, it has no. to be. Reminder that I'm going to bring Tracy in. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Tracy and God. Yeah. Like, there's four people in this relationship. Yeah. 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 Yes, Christy said shyly. It all made sense finally, and I knew it was time to get in the boat, like you told me. Christy, Todd said, <laughs> tentatively reaching over and touching her shoulder. You have no idea how happy I am for you. I've been so bummed out about Sean, but knowing that you've become a Christian, he began to choke up. It's just the best thing that could have ever happened. I know, Christy whispered. <laughs> <laughs> she soloed him. She soloed him. She quickly searched Todd's bronzed face for one last time, desperately trying to remember everything about him. His strong jaw, those faint dimples when he smiled, his sun-washed blonde hair, and those screaming silver-blue eyes which were now staring deeply into her eyes. The driver in the car behind Todd, exasperated from waiting, pulled out around them and laid on the horn as he sped through the yellow light. I guess I'd better let you go, Todd's mouth turned up in one of, the, uh, one of his wonderful, confident grins. I wrote down my address in Florida. It's on a card inside the flowers. I'm not promising I'll write a lot, but if you want to write me, I promise I'll write back. Okay, she agreed, forcing back the tears. She whispered, Bye, Todd. He leaned down right in the middle of the street in front of the whole world and gently pressed his lips against hers, a brief, tender kiss, the kind that only comes from innocent love and whose memory lasts a lifetime. I'm going to miss you, he whispered. I'm going to miss you, too. And then they say goodbye, and she runs away. Um, that's the see. That's what we've all been waiting that's for. The one. That's it. Yep. 
Yeah. I wrote down that one, the brief tender kiss, the kind that only comes from innocent love and whose memory lasts a lifetime. Like I wrote that down because it's like, it has you, she has to let you know it is an innocent love and it only, yeah. and it lasts a lifetime. And it's like, oh, he has the most pure, pure, pure intentions, just like leaning down and kissing her. I don't know. It's just like, yeah he's still he is a horny 16 year old yeah he's 16 and they make him seem like this mature adult and he's definitely still like there's no way a 16 year old boy is going to be just that mature and not thinking with his not not thinking with his penis he is in front of her aunt and uncle right right now like there's There's people there but 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 also there's there's like there's a slut shaming thing happening here of like remember teens mm-hmm. if your first little tentative kiss didn't have all of this drama and non-communication and will they won't they leading mm-hmm. up to it you're a slut yeah right yeah you can't mm-hmm. just feel affection don't be like yeah. Alyssa. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. it has to be yeah. the the innocent love not a like whatever horny love also, they still have not said a single goddamn word about what their relationship is. Seriously, or... yeah. <laughs> I have to say also, though, they, she's, she talks about innocent love, but he's been giving her full frontal hugs all summer. That is so unchristian of him. That is not a Christian side hug. Like, what is up with that? I mean, that? I'm surprised he doesn't give her a hug now. Yeah. Kisses are on the lips, but yeah. Oh no, he doesn't hug her after the kiss. That's no. that's bad planning for a teenager. Yeah, that would be that would be <laughs> awkward for him and her, I'm sure. Hilarious. Um so they're going away and Aunt Marty's like, just for the record, I had nothing to do with that. And Uncle Bob's like, some things you just can't explain. You have to figure a higher source is orchestrating the whole program. There is, Christy agreed, and I know him personally. And then um, Aunt Marty tells her not to be very religious. Yeah. There's no use waiting on God when you're perfectly capable of taking care of things yourself. And Bob's Uncle Bob's like, as I told you weeks ago, to thy own self be true. Right. And here come these same, their, their philosophies of life again. Mm-hmm. But Christy mm-hmm. now knows who she is. Right before she didn't, but now she's a Christian. So Christy laughed quietly and brushed the carnations against her cheek. Nobody can control their own destiny. And I tried being true to myself, but I started going under. I'd rather be true to the Lord. It's way more fun. Is it? Woo! Besides, she finally I know it. for sure that I'm going to make it to Hawaii now. <laughs> Christy smiled, brushing the carnations back and forth underneath her nose, breathing in the spicy, sweet fragrance. Inside, she glowed with an unspeakable joy as her summer in California rolled out like the tide, leaving treasures on the shore of her heart, changing her life forever. The end! We made it! Yay! He he kisses her on the second to last page. Yeah. And that's why having Jesus in your life is so much more of a joy and so much more fun because you get kissed if you do that. Yeah, because then you'll be acceptable to the right kind of men. Yeah. 
He couldn't have kissed her before that. Nope. He would have had to repent. It's a really so good hard. thing she did, because otherwise, yeah, it would have gone nowhere. Also, just a reminder that you'll be an anxious, miserable, mentally haggard wreck if you just are yourself. You have to be yourself and God. Yeah. Nothing else is okay. What a toxic message to saddle kids with in like the last paragraph of just, just a reminder, you're never enough. You're not good enough. You're not going to be okay. Yeah. yeah. You have to be true to the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. But also like, yeah, this idea that you can talk to God, sure. But then what, what about like when you get mixed messages, like you're going to have different thoughts mm-hmm. of what God is telling you, mm-hmm. you know? It's, uh, yeah, They're just setting her up for a life of confusion. Yep. Um, any thoughts, yeah. any last thoughts about this novel? Whew. Before we wrap up, big takeaways. Mitch, do you wish you were a Christian teenage girl? <laughs> you know, the, the vibe that I get from this, particularly because um, Todd insists on, like, you know, bringing Tracy into the conversation during their uh, little tender moment. Um, I I guess probably the rest of you have never experienced um, trying to, uh, if you've ever had people try to recruit you into like their polycule, like their little polyamorous relationship. uh, Yeah. No, no, no hate on polyamorous people, but I'll let you all know when I see one that's good um, or that's going well. Uh, but like, that's the vibe that I get from Todd and Tracy in this is that it's a, it's like, this is just their own personal, like, do you want to formally join our circle of loving each other? (laughs) Yeah, it really does. (laughs) Because that's how you have to get in. Yeah, They're a tag team. Yes. Yeah. I, I totally see that actually. Yeah. (laughs) And then it gets even in the in the future books. It gets even more. It's not even a triangle. It's like a square with Doug, liking Doug and Tracy. Tracy or Doug liking Christy, but not. And it's just the whole like roundabout thing again. Like I like you, but I don't, and I don't know what's up. Yeah. Yeah. Then nobody knows what was happening. No. Which like you know, maybe, and we can't talk about it. <laughs> yeah. May, maybe if in this last scene they had maybe talked about it, like said something like "I like you." <laughs> which they, <laughs> I mean, he he did bring her flowers and kiss her. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and um, totally I, I, I want to though. contradict what you said earlier about how like Todd wouldn't have even showed up if uh, she hadn't become a Christian. I think he would have. He would have just given her another Bible instead of. The <laughs> Come on! How much more clear can I be? Pointed at it and then like, like, yeah, you see this? I'm really horny for you, but we can't do anything (laughs) until you become a Christian. Have another Bible, yeah. Um, well, this has been a blast. I can't wait to talk to you about book two, a whisper and a wish. Um. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah. This is always Thanks, fun. Yeah. I learn a lot every time. <laughs> One of my favorite things is like watching you learn about how horrible being a girl in this culture is. 
It's like, <laughs> and even just like evangelical Christianity versus uh, Ang- Anglican. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like evangelical yeah. versus Anglican. Like I had no idea that there were such vast differences. I just thought it was all like the same. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, to, to be fair, I give kind of like a, a even though I'm no, not really in the Anglican church or, or anything, I do kind of give a kind of rosy perspective, but that's mostly because uh, in high school, I had this big old contrast sitting in my lap between how the Anglican church made me feel and the things that they gave me to think about and what evangelicals right. did. And yeah, uh, yeah right. it was a, it was a pretty big mm-hmm. difference. Yeah. Um, I, I remember last episode, I think we were talking uh, about like uh, formalized con- conversion and um, or like who counts as a Christian. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I want to say that like most of that is on like, like, of course, the Anglican Church has like an idea of who is saved and who is not saved. But it's like as far as asking people up for uh, like taking the Eucharist, like communion mm-hmm. and the like, it's mostly just like the policy is not to. Um, you know, uh, assume that you know God's mind. Mm. So that, just everyone. I mean, the humility in that perspective, I like appreciate and, so and much. Some of that might have just been my particular parish because we had, um, for most of the time that I was there, a very good priest. He was a he was a really good dude. Yeah, that's what Stephen told me that too. Yeah, um, yeah, and I, I think that that was actually part uh, part of what kind of saved me was this knowledge that. Um, like your theology and your perspective on God could be humble. Right. Yeah. Uh, could could yeah. not have to have all the answers and could like leave things within God's sphere of influence, mm-hmm. knowledge and power or whatever, instead of it all being your personal ego dictating it mm-hmm. or someone else's ego dictating it to you. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll stop there. Tune in uh, next month for another For the Love of Todd, where we'll start the next book. Okay. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.